Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to a Friday NHL Draft edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Hustler-Patterson, Michael Remus with you. And, uh, oh, we are busy today. Lots of reaction from last night's first round where the Jets had two selections as well as the rest of the festivities today that are continuing as we speak with the final rounds in Montreal. Now, we were going to have Shane Malloy join us today, um, but like many of you, Many of you that are probably unable to watch this program right now when you normally do because of the Rogers outage, we've had to switch uh, things up a little bit, but we are really looking forward to uh, really focusing on what the Jets have done over the course of the last 24 hours. Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun. Uh, I can't wait to talk to Scott just about the gong show of the travel, um, trying to get to Montreal, uh, but Scott will be on. We'll talk to him. A number of Manitobans selected as well. So, I mean, some great stories, both for provincially as well as for the local team. A couple exciting picks in the first round. Ken Weeb a little bit later on. And listen, I know the focus is, of course, on what's happened last night, but we're also going to be talking about a huge football game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers tomorrow. 4-0 Bombers, 3-0 Lions. Tomorrow night, Marshall Ferguson from TSN going to jump on a little later on. To us, former Canadian quarterback, a few better guys to talk about what Nathan Rourke has done so far this year, as well as set up tomorrow's matchup at 6 p.m. on TSN. Um, so, hey, welcome to everybody that's with us right now. Um, of course, if you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button and uh, join us daily, 1 o'clock Central here on Monday to Friday on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And we can't start the program without giving a big thank you to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including Vita Health, Fresh Market, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, Aikens Lake, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Ben, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs, Canadian Club, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. And listen, with all the hockey and all the football to talk about, Kind of funny that I'd actually be starting off with a little bit of a golf tidbit, but a huge shout out to Winnipeg and Manitoba's Aaron Cockrell. Aaron is playing in the Barbasol uh, Classic on the uh, PGA Tour. His standing on the DP World Tour got him in, so this is his second ever PGA Tour career start. And I don't know whether it's the good vibes from our buddy Drew Mendel of Illegal Curve, who is in Kentucky, as it were, and following Aaron, but he went... Five birdies and an eagle on the front nine for a 29, seven under par. They're right now under a, uh, a weather delay, um, but he has pushed himself up into a tie for fifth right now, looking great to make his second cut on the PGA Tour and hopefully contend for a title. Of course, top spot on the leaderboard right now is another Canadian, Adam Svensson, who uh, had a scintillating 62 in round one four under and he's at 14 so we will stay on top of that throughout the afternoon if they do get back on the course but a huge shout out to Aaron Cockrell and uh, Manitoba golf fans are gonna have something to watch this weekend with Aaron presumably certainly playing in the final couple of rounds um so let's uh get Michael Rivas in here and get things going Rutger McGrory, Brad Lambert, or Winnipeg Jets. More picks coming off and gotta tell you um you could really feel it amongst talking to fans last night um, the energy that McGrory brings and I think the value and excitement of the talent, skill, and speed of Brad Lambert, 
made yesterday a pretty fun and exciting day for Winnipeg Jet fans and the organization. Yeah, I think that you loved seeing his excitement when he was picked yesterday. And you want a guy who's got, when you pick him, he's got a big smile on his face as well. And I know that last year's first-round pick, Chaz Lucius, was fired up as well, um, both from the U.S. development team. I think you got to go for that, Hussey. You saw what Montreal was picking, the Slovak players. got to get, it's all about the shower narrative. Us. Um, you got to get guys who've played together, grown up together. Um, you're never gonna, you're never gonna be better friends than you are at this age. And if you want guys to come together as a team, what better to have them already be teammates? And then, and you're seeing a lot in um, NFL. You know, quarter getting a lot of quarterback, receiver guys who play college together, going to the NFL together. Bring it, bring it to hockey. The guys on the same, you know, played together. Seems like you know, great personality. Uh, I know Scott. Um, Wheeler of the Athletic was saying the Jets keep drafting the guys who've been his favorite to talk to in his pre, you know pre-draft like uh, you know writing at the Athletic. He said last year was Lucius, this year Rucker McCrory. So I love seeing the excitement when he was called at fourteen. Yeah, me too. And and listen again, I I always couch these comments because um, I mean for the same people that shit all over picks, saying that every pick is the best ever. I mean I think is somewhat a a fool's game. Um, we're drafting 18 year olds here. There's plenty of time before the vast majority of them reach the national hockey league. There's more development and you're basically drafting on a number of traits. Certainly, you know, these players need to have the skill level to play in the national hockey league. Um, and, and the jets for their part, whether it be an Ehlers or a Kyle Connor, a Cole Perfetti, um, have done a pretty good job of targeting and taking advantage of the best and most highly skilled player on the board when they take it. Now, McGrory certainly has the numbers. I mean, he scored at a very high level, was the captain of the U.S. national development team. But the thing that's exciting about him, especially coming off the year that the Jets had, I think they realized that, you know, with the players that they're bringing in, um, and especially with their first selection, they wanted a guy that, you know, ticked off a lot of the boxes, but maybe was a little bit more as part of a character as a leader. And it certainly seems like McGrory is that guy. Um, I've seen a number of uh, uh, fans, um, you know, on social media say this, and I'll echo this. I have no idea how, you know, I haven't seen, you know, beyond some of the clips that we've seen of what he's been able to do with the U.S. team and how he's going to turn out. But the energy of this young man um, is exciting for fans, and I think it's really exciting for the team because, um, to me, the guy just oozes uh, like a Kachuk vibe, Remus. I mean, it was pretty hard not to not to feel that. And of course, we know the program that those two players came from. Uh, but that competitiveness, the uh, the 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 motor, the energy, and the attitude. Um, this Winnipeg Jets team was missing some of that last season. And I realize it's not going to be in the near future, presumably, that McGrory is in the lineup anytime. But when he does get to the National Hockey League, assuming that he makes it, I think he'll bring, you know, a lot of things on the ice, but a lot of things off the ice, on the bench that um, that I think we saw last week, uh, last year, I should say. There might not be an analytic number for it, but it is really important when you're putting together and creating a team. Yeah, before we get to with a clip of his uh, at the press conference after being selected, I do have to mention he's off to Michigan, like other former Winnipeg Jets, uh, Kyle Connor, Andrew Kopp, Jacob Truba. So if you're going to Michigan, 
And I mean, you're basically, I've seen people on Twitter calling Michigan, what, basically a, an NHL squad with all the talent that's gone through there the past couple of years. So I think we may be keeping an eye on uh, what's going on in NCAA hockey. But here he is, Huss, uh, Rutger McGrory, after being selected. He was very, very fire. I mean, he was, what was he talking on the broadcast? Uh, I mean, this was the common thing. Oh, I just blacked out when they called my name. I didn't even realize what was going on. But <laughs> I was going to fall down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, right here. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely pretty fired up. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, it's such a, such a great organization. And I, uh, yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Uh, yeah, I met with them uh, a little bit earlier in the year, uh, just kind of get to know get to know each other, and then I met with them one time at the combine, and uh, we had really good interviews, and uh, it was awesome. And uh, I got to be honest, I, I I had no clue, uh, but it was yeah, I'm definitely definitely really excited. Uh, yeah, for me, I would say I'm a, a very skilled two-way power forward. Uh, I feel like I bring my competitiveness, my energy every single day. I feel like I'm a good leader. I feel like. Uh, I can. I, I got a good goal scorer's touch, and I make my linemates around me better. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's that's what's good about me. I feel like uh, I can play anywhere in the lineup. Uh, I feel like I, I enjoy being a top six forward. Uh, but if my team needs me to be a, a third line winger, third line center, fourth line guy, I feel like I, I can be that, and I feel like I'll do anything to contribute to the team. All right, so there is uh, Rutger McGrory, and uh, you know, after picking Chaz Lucius last week, I mean, we said mentioned that these were the best interviews that they gave Scott Wheeler. The Jets also have some of the best names in hockey right now, and uh, Rutger McGrory um, added to the list. We'll talk more about Rutger um, with Ken Weave and Scott Billick a little later on today. Hey, just quickly, big shout out to Chris Thompson. Chris, thanks very much for. Uh, being a supporter of Winnipeg Sports Talk and becoming a member. That's awesome. Really do appreciate it. Now, speaking of names, Reem, um, one of the more interesting names in the draft <clears throat> seemingly fell to Winnipeg at 30. Um, and it was highly likely that that sort of situation was going to present itself because of how uh, uncertain the draft boards were and how different they were from team to team. Uh, but the, fin the, the Finnish guy with the Canadian name, Brad Lambert, who was a consensus top 10 pick a year ago and still top 15 for a good portion of the scouts in and around uh, this draft was there for the Winnipeg Jets at 30. And they jumped on this, the uh, incredibly talented Finn, um, who many people say is the best skater in this draft. Yeah, his uncle's Lane Lambert, the coach of the New York Islanders and I was watching on ESPN, Megan Cheka, she had him ranked 12. I uh, see Future Considerations has him ranked 9. Bob McKenzie, 16. A uh, lot of praise for his skating as his biggest skill. And he's playing with you know, he's playing with men in Finland. So when you don't quite have that man strength, Heston, you're just an 18-year-old, I think maybe you're going to run into some challenges. He had a rough season and dropped quite a bit. But it seemed like this was a pick where maybe we thought the Jets would go forward defense just based on organizationally when a player like this is available um you kind of just got to pick best player available and you hope that he fits in and this is a pick i think very could be very high high reward for the jets at 30th overall yeah and i think he'll come in maybe with a bit of a chip on his shoulder at a really interesting interview afterwards saying um you know once you're picked it really doesn't matter um you know where you got picked and you know with a good season next year 
he hopes to be right back at the top of this draft class when it matters. And that's when uh, an amount of breaking into the National Hockey League. And I guess we'll get to this with Ken and, and Scott a little later on, Reem. It is interesting, and Chevalier, I've spoke about this last night, in that um, he does not have a contract next year in Finland. Uh, I believe Saskatoon, if I'm not mistaken, holds his rights in the Western uh, Hockey Seattle. League. Or, oh, Seattle. Uh, and... There's also the potential um, that he could play for the Manitoba Moose as well. And I would think that normally that might not be the mix coming right out of the of the draft, but considering that he'd been playing in a men's league in Finland, you know, maybe he's a little bit more ready to uh, take his game to the North American side of things and certainly feels like it translates. So um, Brad Lambert and Rutger McGrory, the two first-round picks for the Jets. Um, the other selections today... Uh, the Jets selected at 55th overall with the uh, other pick coming over in the Andrew Kopp trade, uh, Swedish defenseman Elias Salmonson. Um, they then selected Daniil Zilkin at 77th overall. And this was the pick that came back from Columbus in the Line Dubois-Roslevic trade. And what's interesting about this one, Remo, is this is a guy... You know, it's much like, you know, you said, we said the, the the Finnish guy with the Canadian name. Well, he's the Canadian player with the Russian name, grew up in Russia, but family moved here early on in his development after attending a hockey camp here. Um, he's been playing in the Ontario Hockey League, and he's another player that um, a number of scouts had listed and ranked far higher than the 77th pick where the Winnipeg Jets got him. Yeah, that was an interesting, uh, interesting name as well. Um, just back to Lambert. You said that he had mentioned Saskatoon. He does have family in in Saskatoon, so that's uh, something interesting. I do wonder where he will end up this season. That was the big question after so the Jets making a couple picks today. The other pick they made in the fourth round, 99th overall, was Garrett Brown, the son of former NHLer Curtis Brown. Uh, you know, my ears perked up when I saw he's from San Jose. Curtis Brown currently doing what he does TV work with uh, the Sharks broadcast, and he was with Sioux City of the USHL. So they're and they did just make a sixth round pick as well. Swedish player so that happened you know, just before we went on the air. But uh, keeping track of all the picks, we do have. If you want to hear from Brad Lambert? Has we do have him? Yeah, yeah. First. This so yeah. Let's get this up. So uh, this is Brad Lambert, the uh, the from Pelicans in the Finnish Liga. 30th overall selected by the Winnipeg Jets. And here's what he had to say after being selected last night. Yeah, it was an unbelievable feeling to get your name called. It's something you dream about. Uh, so it was, a, it was a great night. Obviously a little nerve-wracking, but, uh, you know, I had a great time. Uh, yeah, I talked to them at the combine, obviously, and uh, and once during the year, but uh, you know, not not an extra lot, but uh, you know, I, I know the team well, and, and uh, I'm very happy to go there. Yeah, you know, I guess if you're looking at the result point of view, obviously it wasn't the wasn't the season I would have liked to have uh, as a team and as myself, but uh, you know, I think I learned a lot. I learned a lot about the two-way responsibility of the game and, and playing at both ends of the ice, and I think that's going to help me going forward. So uh, you know, I think I think it's going to help me take the next next step. But uh, you know, it wasn't the season results-wise that, that, that I would have liked, obviously. All right, there's Brad Lambert of the Jets' second first rounder last night. And, um, you know, we continue. We'll have a full wrap-up of the uh, the selections for the Winnipeg Jets as we um, get Ken we, we with us in a little bit later from Montreal. And, 
of course, Scott Billick coming up next. You know, let's just quickly hear, uh, you know, maybe we won't do the, the clip of Chevy on day one, um, Remo, but it, let's get four and five ready and just hear what the general manager had to say about each of the picks. Um, I guess we just heard from Brad Lambert. Why don't we go with number four next on Chevy on the Brad Lambert pick, talking about the opportunity of a player with that level of skating ability and skill still on the board with their second first-round selection last night. Well, you know, we're going to be biased now because he's ours, but we think he's the best skater in the draft. And, and uh, you know, I think obviously... You know, he's played over in a European men's league, which is tough. You know, we've seen that with uh, with other players as well. It's hard for, um, you know, for young players to, you know, get different kinds of opportunities to really accentuate their talents over there. Um, but the positive is he's played with men. So he's, you know, he's, he knows what it's like to play, you know, in, in, a, in a men's organization and, and in a men's league. So, um, unfortunately, you know, the World Junior Tournament didn't get a chance to show itself there because I think, uh, unfortunately for us maybe, because I think that might have been his coming out party just uh, based on uh, you know the early uh, the early returns there so um, you know, again great opportunity for for the Jets organization yeah there's shovel day off on uh, Brad Lambert and of course he's referring to the world juniors that were uh, snuffed out after two games and Lambert stepped up big time had I believe two goals three assists five points in the first two games for Finland and then of course the uh, the tournament was shut down so maybe that was advantageous for Winnipeg where um, he didn't have more of an opportunity to uh, show what he could do. Let's get one more clip in from the GM. Um, Sheveldayoff talked about the uh, young man, the Nebraska native, second ever to be drafted outside of uh, behind Jake Gensel and certainly the highest drafted Nebraskan ever, Rutger McGrory. Here's Chevy on uh, their first pick last night. He, uh, in the interview process, it was, you know, he was obviously great. I think uh, you guys got a, probably a, a, just a brief glimpse of it, but you know, when for us, you know, the, the, the questions that we asked and the way he answered them, and, and obviously the way he plays the game are consistent. You know, he's uh, he, he plays the game hard. He answers the questions hard. You know, like it's uh, it's one of those things that, um, uh, again, as an organization, you know, drafting a, a player with those kind of attributes is real exciting. All right, there's Kevin Shoveldayoff. I don't know what was up with the uh, the audio there for the, the Chevy interview last night. A little bit of fuzz in that mic, Ree. That's uh, going to happen. Uh, shout out to the Jets, uh, you know, Jets YouTube channel for posting those. But I guess maybe they had Chevy's mic tuned up a bit too hot. But still, you got the info there. Like the way Rutger McGordy interviewed. We heard that. He was fired up. He had like 100 family members. They're supporting him. It which was, was a big crew. He it a was a big, he was rolling deep. They were here. They posted the, you know, one thing they posted too, is they posted the pictures of them on social media. I love these like draft poses that they, <laughs> that they make them do. Like you see them all like, like they're, the, they're, the they're stick, like, yeah. yeah, they got like the stick <laughs> on top of the shoulders. They got all, you know, they're pointing it at the camera. Oh yeah. Here's, here's these ones. These are, these are pretty awesome. One stick. Uh, I'll bring it up. Oh yeah, so they got like the old, the old style like hockey gear here. He's just a wood stick. Those kids have probably never picked up a wood stick in their life. You know, seriously, I where they got those made? Like they got the old gloves here as well. But nice... Zinger Zinger grabbed those out of some old equipment room in the arena or something like that. Or, or, or you know what? 
Maybe they called up Greg and Gerald at Royal. There is some stuff in the back of that place that dates back uh, a few generations of equipment. I'm sure they would have been able to help them out. I mean, the one thing that stands out other than the old school equipment, though, is the uh, is the grin on McGrory. I mean, and that just speaks to the uh, the energy that I think he's brought into his teams in the past and that hopefully he'll bring to uh, the Winnipeg Jets, uh, presumably when he becomes an NHLer at some point. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I think we're still, you know, a couple years down the road, but, you know, you look at some of the recent drafts and, you know, with uh, Lucius and uh, here's uh, Brad Lambert's picture, um, Lucius and <laughs> McCrory. He's laughing. Like I was looking at this equipment. By the way, like, shout out to Ralph, TSN 1290 legendary caller Ralph. Somewhere he's smiling right now because if I'm not mistaken, those sticks have a straight blade. Yeah, I don't, again, I was, I looked at these pictures. I'm like, where did they even get these sticks to, uh, to do? Like, look at the skates at the bottom. Those are like old skates. So some nice draft photos. I saw the, and you know, these are great because I saw the NHL's social media putting out some draft photos with like Lemieux putting his arm hands on Crosby's shoulders after Crosby. It's just a legendary photo. There's one of like Ovi and Andrew Ladd after their draft. So I think these will be fun. Fun to look back on, and they were posting ones of like Ehlers and Kyle Connor. Like we saw the Kyle Connor when he got drafted, and how young he's looking. And Kyle Connor now he's got the long hair and the beard. So I think this is just part of draft day, and it was nice us for an in-person draft. It's a big celebration of hockey. There was a lot of crowd. We haven't even touched on the Montreal fans um, there, but it seemed like a great atmosphere, a great place for a draft. You know, there was, and listen, we'll focus more in on the Jets with uh, with our guests coming up, but let's just quickly talk about everything else that happened last night. I mean, uh, first off, um, Slavkovsky going number one, and the fact that Shane Wright dropped all the way to no- number four was, I think, stunning. Um, I can tell you, I spent enough time on the lock shop. I was on with Gabe Morenci yesterday. We were looking at all the odds, and we were while I was on with Gabe, we saw the odds for Shane Wright dropping from minus three hundred, minus two twenty five, minus two hundred. It still didn't get much lower than that. And then, never mind not being the number one overall pick, Jersey goes with Nemich, the defenseman, and then with the choice of both centers, Logan Cooley and Shane Wright, the Phoenix Coyotes go with Cooley, and Shane Wright seemingly fell into the laps of the Seattle Kraken at fourth overall in the draft. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder. And listen, I, I know we've seen this picture quite a bit or the video quite a bit on uh, on social media after, uh, you know, he shakes the hand of the commissioner and is moving around. Did give somewhat of a death stare out onto the draft floor. Many speculated it was at the Montreal Canadiens. Um, but we'll always remember this draft. He was sort of the, uh, they had the Aaron Rodgers cam on him for those first three picks. It was a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Whether all the scouts were right that these other guys passed Shane Wright as NHL prospects or do the expansion Seattle Kraken get a real steal at fourth overall for a guy that was the consensus number one pick for the better part of the last two plus years. It's funny. I was thinking about our guest earlier this week, Grant McCagg, who said he had Shane Wright going low and he was talking to people and I think he definitely seemed to nail it on that. And I remember looking at the odds on him thinking, okay, he's not going to go first. I think the odds on him to go fourth, like on Thursday, on Wednesday was something silly. And I regret it was like 15 to one fourth overall was 25 to one where he actually ended up. So, but yes, and shout out to Grant for having the stones. If you go to his Twitter page, I'm sure it's probably still there. 
He has had his tweet from May 18th pinned to his profile saying that Shane Wright was not going to be either the first or second pick in the draft. So um, Grant knew what he was talking about, was on top of it. So a little bit of dap for our friend Grant McKegg from over at Recruits. Mm -hmm. All right, Um, Billick's going to join us. Um, We should also mention a great day for... Hockey Manitoba and the young men uh, that were representing our province. And we'll talk about that with Scott in a minute because we've had some more Manitobans drafted today. Uh, But last night, Connor Geeky going 11 to the Arizona Coyotes. Denton Matejchuk right after that to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets with two sweet defense prospects along with Jiracek at six in the first two rounds. And then Owen Pickering picked by the Pittsburgh Penguins, another Manitoban. And speaking of cool draft moments, Montreal native Chris Letang, who had just signed his extension yesterday with the Penguins, called up by Ron Hextall to make the selection. And uh, Hex said later on, wouldn't it be neat if uh, that was a defense pairing in a couple of years? So great night for the Manitoban content and a pretty exciting night for the Winnipeg Jets. We're going to get to all that coming up with Scotty Billick. And then uh, Weaver's going to join us as well from Montreal a little bit later on. Just before we do that, man, there was a lot of well-dressed uh, young men last night. And I got a feeling that um, certainly the kids coming from these parts were probably done up from F apparel. We saw a number <laughs> of the insides with the uh, NHL pattern on the draft. Of course, that's one of the options you get when you're getting a custom suit from our gang over at F. But right now in the summer, they've got a great special right now. Three shirts for $210. You can get those delivered in less than a month right now. Of course, F's got everything, cool golf pants, chinos, shoes, accessories, and more. And, of course, they are the go-to spot for the best and most affordable custom suits in town. And if you got a wedding, make sure you talk to them. Put a 15% discount for all the fellas when the wedding party gets their suits from F Apparel. 190 Smith Street downtown, and you can uh, book them online or get an appointment at fephapparel.com. Uh, of course, our friends at Wallace & Wallace. Uh, are the fencing and overhead door specialists in town, but you might not know they're also the leaders in boathouse doors. If you're out on the lake this weekend and you're seeing a boathouse and a boathouse door that is attractive to you, chances are it's probably Wallace. Um, They've got it all, and you can choose between a steel or aluminum door, polycarbonate or glass panels, and a design that's perfect for your little piece of paradise. Um, You can give them a call, and especially if you think that you might need uh, some TLC on that boathouse door now that the high water's receiving, you can give them a call to arrange a service visit at 204-452-2700. Hit them up on wallacedoors.com or check out the showroom on Lawson Road. And by the way, we still do have that offer uh, for WST listeners. First 50 people to stop by Lawson Road will receive a free LiftMaster Laser Garage Parking Assist. So you need to have that tennis ball hanging in your garage anymore. Just come on down, ask for Haley or one of the gang, and tell them Huss and Remo sent you from Winnipeg Sports Talk. Going to be a great weekend to get out on the water. We'll be getting on the water in just a couple weeks over at Aikens Lake. I cannot wait. If you're thinking about planning an unbelievable fly-in fishing trip in the province where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the place. And as great as the fishing and the accommodations are, the only thing better than that is the incredible people and the Trent family that run it. Find out more online at AikensLake.com. 
and that make sure you're following them on socials and uh, our good pit Turan is showing you all the big ones that are coming out of the lake on a daily basis online at akinslake.com and hey with the uh, barbecue season in full effect you might want to pop by and see our friends at vita health vita health's already stocked with winnipeg's best selection of local organic organic and natural groceries supplements and beauty products all at great prices we also got some great healthy options for the barbecue, including bison burgers and lean bison steaks, not to mention delicious chicken. And while you're there, check out a number of great options, including some non-alcoholic beverages that you might want to include or at least have for your guests when you're entertaining. It's all there. Vita Health, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and they're online at myvita.ca. All right, let's get Billick in here. Um Scott, thanks so much for doing this. It's before we get to the draft, I, I've been, I was planning on going too, and I got freaked out by the travel issues that we've been hearing about for the last little bit. I mean, do you even want to go down that road? I mean, I was following you on Twitter. It seemed like it was just one hellish experience after another. I sat on the plane on the tarmac to, to go to Montreal uh, for two and a half hours. They delayed it like every 15 minutes. And then so they let us deplane for a bit so you could walk around and go to the bathroom or get some food or coffee or whatever. And then you get back on the plane and like five minutes later, like, yeah, the flight's canceled. And so then it's a mad scramble to try and like get on another flight. And it just never came to fruition. And then I tried to get on a WestJet flight the next day. I was going to, I could have got on a WestJet flight on Wednesday afternoon. For $2,300, um, that was a no-go. <laughs> and, and then there was another one for about thirteen or 1400 and that was a no-go. So I went from having, I mean, a, a hotel rooms booked, all my credentials were there, everything to sitting in my room today with about six screens up covering the draft last night and, and, and today. So pretty disappointing. Um, but, hey, what do you do? I mean, that, that's been this whole season, uh, you know, with travel, with COVID, um, you know, I was happy to get to Seattle and Vancouver a couple times this year. So I'll, I'll take it and uh, hope, hope, hope for the best next year. The irony is that it's far harder to travel right now, quote oh. unquote, post COVID than it ever was during the damn pandemic right now. But it's anyways, a disaster. We, but we yeah, digress. yeah. Anyways, you can yeah. spend a lot of time bitching about it. But um, anyways, I'm very happy that you had some time to join us today. And thanks so much for doing this. Hey, just before we get yep. to the Jets, um, what did you make of the draft overall in the first round? I mean, uh, right yeah. falling to four, the intrigue in the first few picks. Um, and then, as so many people did predict, um, including Kevin Chevaldeau, there might be a gasp or two because of just how different so many teams were list to list, scout to scout. Yeah, I mean, great day for Slovakia, right? I mean, they go one, two in the draft and, uh, you know, great day for Slovakian hockey. Uh, tough first round for the Ontario Hockey League, which made the you know, the decision a, a couple of years ago or last year, sorry, to, to cancel the season just due to COVID, not last year, but the year before, um, to cancel just because of COVID. So a lot of these guys, including Shane Wright, um, come into the league and essentially their rookie or their draft year is, is last season. Um, and so, you know, I think it impacted all the OHL guys in the first round that could have gone a lot higher. Um, and then, you know, I don't know what happened to Shane Wright. I don't know if there was a little hesitation there or just, you know, everybody's got a different list. 
everybody's got a different need. And when you know, you get New, New Jersey, who doesn't need a defenseman, uh, or sorry, does need a defenseman and doesn't need a forward, doesn't need another center, given where they've drafted over the last years, they go off the board, or supposedly, you know, a little bit off the board and take a different guy. guy. So it's so a lot of these other teams are already prepared to take another guy to kind of fill their spot. And so, you know, Seattle arguably won the draft lottery anyways by getting Shane right at four, right? And it's just the way that it goes. And, and great for Seattle because they, they need a, a you know a franchise sort of centerman. And and this is where, you know, I think Seattle gets a you know a chance to kind of sort of reset now. Uh, with taking Shane Wright, so yeah, wild, wild first round. It went all over the place. I mean, the Jets, you know, the Jets also kind of went off the board too, right? Taking Rutger, and I mean, it's going to take a while to get the last name right. Rutger McGrory. Um, We're just—he's uh, going to be like Madonna, man. We're just yeah, going to be yeah. calling him Rutger. For, well, maybe we'll call him McGrory, and then if he starts, you know, if he gets the fans going and that sort of thing. So, but yeah, crazy. Crazy round, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think the Jets got who they wanted, especially with Brad Lambert falling as far as he did there. Um, obviously, he had a tough season, uh, which one scout called uh, draft day or draft season jitters um, from Brad Lambert there, who has the most Canadian finish name I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. Uh, so, but yeah, you know, I, you know, it was a weird first round, but I mean, back to in person for the first time in a couple years, and. Uh, it had all of it, right? I mean, Montreal, great place to watch hockey. Never mind have a draft. Um, and, you know, it was it, it looked nuts in there. Everything I was hearing from Mike McIntyre, Kenny Weeb, uh, who you'll have on later, um, just talking about how insane it was in there and, and the gaffes and uh, a little bit of smattering of booze uh, uh, when they didn't take Shane Wright first overall. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, pretty crazy day. And, and a good day, and I'm, I'm rambling here, but a good day for Manitoba in the first round. We saw three picks go, uh, and a good day for the Winnipeg Ice, who had a couple uh, of players go in the first round as well. Yeah, you know, just on that note, um, you know, I mentioned the three Manitobans that went in the first round. Uh, our good pal Derek Ingram is a proud dad yeah. right now. His son Adam went, uh, I believe, 82nd to the Nashville Predators. Yeah. And then Mikey Milne, also from the Winnipeg Ice, ended up going at 89. I did see Reed Dick, the Winkler goalie, getting picked in the second round. Yep. And speaking of uh, uh, speaking of uh, goalies, the Jets just went and took a goalie in the seventh <laughs> round. And another great, I mean, the Jets might have on the, the corner on the best names. <laughs> uh, I mean, listen, Rutger McGrory, the Finn, Brad Lambert, and now Dominic DiVincentis. Uh, seventh rounder, Ontario product, played for North Bay of the OHL. And uh, Mike just saying the kid's going to be a fan favorite, tremendous personality and talker. Um, so I'll tell you what, I mean, we'll see how these guys do on the ice. But uh, for guys like us that talk to athletes, it sounds like uh, the team might have done us quite a uh, quite a solid. Let's go to the, the, the two jet picks, though. Um, yeah. The McGrory one is interesting. And I mean, I know, I guess, it depends on, you know, calling someone off the board. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking right now. Bob McKenzie, shout out to Dresman to put this out. The preseason 22 draft rankings, Brad Lambert was number three. Rutger McGrory was number 12. And the guy they got in the second, uh, second round, Elias Selmanson, was ranked number 14. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, and again, things change quite a bit, but there was a reason why these players were ranked as highly as they were. The thing that stands out about McGrory, and, and it was quite clear, I mean, the one thing that he needs to work on is his skating. And he now is a skating coach for the first time. 
and it's the legendary Barb Underhill. Not the not a bad place yeah. to go <laughs> if you need to uh, get the skating together. But it really does sound like everything else is at a real high level. Certainly the skill, his shot, what he was able to do. But honestly, Scott, I mean, we're going to hear good things about all the players that were picked in the first round. The thing that just stood out to me was the energy of this young man. And I'm not saying that they picked him because of what happened last year. But I'll say this, that sort of enthusiasm, energy, compete uh, was lacking at times for the Winnipeg Jets last year. And um, all teams would love to have players like that in their lineup. Um, but I think it's even more exciting, I think, for Jet fans to see the energy that he will be bringing to development camp and to training camp when he gets here. Um, because, frankly, that was something I really do think that uh, was lacking a little bit overall in the squad last season. Yeah, I mean, just a character guy. And and, and that, like, you know, we say character guys, and it's not like that's his, his best skill. I mean, this guy's an elite playmaker and goal scorer. Um, based on a bunch of the scouts uh, that that we've talked to, and 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 even just some of what the pundits were saying last night, his skating obviously is an issue. But in, in thing of him and Kevin Day off is that you know Record didn't take time off. He went and worked with Bar Barb Underhill, who's a world champion figure skater uh, pair. Uh, you know, back I think it was back in the eighties now. Um, but to work on his skating, you know, it, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to take some time off and, and, and do whatever. No, this guy was committed to going and getting better at what he wasn't as, 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 as his best at. And, and so, you know, that, that's the sort of players, and you spoke about last year and it being very difficult, right? I think, you know, the Jets went back this year to, and I, I don't want to say the, the Canadian or the character guys, because it's not like they haven't gotten character guys in the past. But it almost seemed like there was an emphasis on it. I mean, even listening to some of the guys that they talked to today, um, Danil, uh, the, the Russian who basically says, I'm a full-time Canadian. Um, you know, talk, listen to him, Brad Lambert, full, you know, very fluent in English, has Canadian roots here too. Um, just a lot of guys that seem, you know, really willing to do what they need to do to make it in this next step. And the Jets have had some players that have kind of maybe fallen through the cracks there or maybe just – you know, the Sammy Nikus or the Nick Batans or the ones that just didn't really pan out um, and possibly because of, you know, just attitude issues and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, I think there was a uh, emphasis this year on getting guys that are um, well-established as hockey players, of course, but also well-established as humans and, 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 and just refilling kind of the cupboards when it comes to that. So, um, yeah, I, I do agree with you on that, and, and I think it's good. And I think what the Jets are getting with Rutgers is it's not just this guy who's, um, you know, has all those those intangibles as 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 Kevin Dayoff put it last night. Um, but there's a lot of and a high ceiling of skill there. I mean, I was reading the hockey news their their draft thing, and they they project him at the high end as as being Mark Stone. Well, who doesn't want that on on their hockey team? So um, yeah, I think the Jets did well yesterday. Um, maybe, and it's, it's been difficult, right? I mean, COVID threw a wrench in a lot of different things and you don't know exactly where guys are. Um, but the Jets have done really well in the draft in, 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 in recent years and, and during throughout Kevin Sheldow's reign on finding guys, you know, good players in the first round, of course, especially out of the U S national program with the Trubas and the Kyle Connors and all that. And, and then finding guys in the later rounds that have really panned out for them, you know, Kyle, uh, uh, Connor Hellebach and, and other players like that. So, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it, we'll see. I mean, that's the thing with the draft is it's the first step, and you never know how it's really going to go until you get in here. But I think the guy, uh, you know, the Jets had you know a pretty good first round, and 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 I think in even in the later rounds here, found some guys who were high on lists who maybe had a you know, tough end to their year uh, in their respective seasons, but uh, you know still have high ceilings uh, when it comes to the NHL and where they can finally or eventually fit in. Yeah, we'll be doing all our reaction today to the draft, but I can tell you, WST listeners and viewers, make sure to join us on Monday's program because Shane Malloy will come and uh, he'll bring his scouting hat to throw on and um, sort of recap what the Jets did, give us his thoughts on their picks, as well as maybe the winners and losers of the draft overall. Um, Outside of the players that were picked, there was some pretty interesting movement. Um, What the hell are we going to see when the Chicago Blackhawks come to town this year, Scott? (laughs) I don't know, a bunch of pylons on the ice and then one of those... Like like, the Rockford Ice Hogs? Seth Jones and the Rockford Ice Hogs? (laughs) Yeah, and you'll have one of those like goalie trainers in net so the Jets will have to pick the corners or whatever. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I I have no idea. I mean, I feel like they've given up on Kirby Dak a little too early. Um, you know, here's the thing you're, you're giving up on your top draft picks, you know, in a rebuild. And you're also giving up on a bona fide star in Alex to And I just, I, I don't get it. I mean, the guys in Chicago don't get it. I was reading Mark Lazarus from the athletic, his column, um, about it. And just, they don't seem to understand what's going on. And then you got, what do you do if you're like Jonathan Taves or Patrick Kane right now, where you just see all this talent kind of walking out the door. Uh, and the other thing, though, is like, how good is uh, I think Ottawa? Where is Ottawa going to be? I mean, that's my thing. They get to bring it. Maybe they sign him. Maybe they don't. I mean, I imagine they have some idea or some inkling about possibly signing him. I thought Ottawa has been just tremendous. Um, that that at, listen at, that at trade that like that trade just just to talk quickly about that trade for a minute. Yeah, they trade him for the seventh overall pick, a second rounder, and I think a later third. Yeah. Originally, Chicago was floating out that they were looking at three first-round picks and a yeah. prospect. Well, now, heck. they obviously didn't get that, but it was also quite clear that they really wanted Kevin Korczynski, who they picked at seventh overall, uh, and they were willing to move on from it. But the return for that, like, what are the chances that any of those players that they pick, including Korczynski, is anywhere close to what Debrinkat's been? And from Pierre Dorian's yeah. from Pierre Dorian's perspective, I mean to make that sort of a risk, but to get Debrinkat coming in guaranteed under t- and team control for two more years, I mean they'll have him to come in, play with Kachuk and Stutzla, start something hopefully kind of young and exciting there, and want to be there. And to be honest, if they find out that they can't sign him, I can't imagine that they're going to get less for Alex Debrinkat at the trade deadline or next year than they just had to pay to get him yesterday night on the draft floor. Yeah, I mean, it was a shrewd move by Pierre Doran, who's taken a lot of flack, you know, and I, I've, I've wrote, ripped on him before, too, for some of the moves he's made. But, you know, he's really come around now with this kind of rebuild and, and getting players. And, you know, they might even add Claude Giroux, who knows, still here, who, who could really help, you know, solidify potentially getting Alex to bring at to, to resign there when you start seeing some of those guys coming in and just with Tom Shabbat and all the guys that they have there uh, I think there's a, a good chance of that team really competing in, in a few years not even a few years maybe even just like next year even being a playoff bubble team potentially and then moving on from there with some of the guys that they have now they got to figure out their goaltending situation 
Um, but you know, I think it's going well there. And, and, you know, that's the thing, right? Like, just like you said, like to bring, it's going to bring in just as much if they have to move them at the deadline and, and possibly more because it seems like to bring, it just keeps getting better and better. And who's not going to want to bring it on a decent contract with very little to pay at the end of it. Um, you know, given how it gets prorated when you go to the trade deadline, um, there's potential for that too. So, um, you know, I see it as a chance for Ottawa to to try and convince a guy of, of, of Derinkit's caliber to stay there, to, to to build with that team and possibly win a Stanley Cup as they keep building. Um, and I think, it, you know, it says a lot too in that organization for guys like Brady Kachuk and the Stutzlas um, that they're starting to build something there. Um, and for those guys who are going to be there for a while, they're going to have to sign Stutzla long-term eventually. You want to see that your team is doing something to you know keep you there right i mean i think there's a lot of winnipeg jets fans who would like to see that kind of um you know that that sort of uh, prowess i suppose uh here uh you know to try and get guys like pierre Dubois to stay and that sort of thing so obviously different situations but yeah i, I like what ottawa is doing i think they've they've done well over the last couple of years by the way great another i mean this week has been unbelievable here in wst huge numbers folks if you haven't already Hit that red subscribe button. We're here Monday to Friday at 1 p.m. Central. You can turn your notifications on for any uh, other WST drops as well. And uh, by the way, everyone, if you could, let's uh, we had so many people in here. Hit that thumbs up. Let's get this over 200. Help us spread the channel as well. Um, Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Suns with us. We've been talking a little bit about what the Jets did last night as well as other topics coming out of in particular round one. Scott, we spend so much time talking about cap space. Interested in your perspective on a couple deals that were made. The Toronto Maple Leafs getting rid of, getting a mulligan, if you will, on Peter Mrazek yeah. for moving from 25 to 38 on the draft floor. And the Edmonton Oilers trading, <laughs> what is it, a 2025 <laughs> second rounder to 2024 third rounder? <laughs> to get the Zach Cassian contract yeah. off the books and moving down three well, spots in round one. Well, that too, and then Duncan Keith retiring today, which helps him with his cap hit in in there, which screws over Chicago with the cap recapture penalty that Chicago is now going to eat, which I think is like five point five million or something like no that. No one coming. cares. Like that'll just help them get to the salary cap floor <laughs> well, with the team that they're going to be icing next year. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I guess they're going after Connor Bedard, right? I mean, what what else are you doing if you're Chicago at this point? But yeah, no, yeah, I mean, good moves by both the Leafs and, and um, Edmonton. Edmonton's got to make room, right? This is the biggest thing. I think it's a blessing in disguise for them that Duncan Keith got uh, that retired. I mean, Keith, I, I don't know what Kenny Holland was thinking when he brought him in in the first place. Um, so, you know, they need to get rid of, uh, you know, cap space, potentially to sign to Vander Kane if they want him back there. Uh, who knows what's going on with that and the San Jose Sharks and all the grievance and all that. But just other guys. I mean, you know, Edmonton probably feels like they're on the cusp, but they, of course they do, um, with their two big stars there and McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um, so, yeah, getting rid of Cassian, who I didn't think have a good playoffs. He was a little bit, you know, kind of boneheaded penalties and stuff like that. I think they're doing this great. And the Leafs, obviously, I mean, they need the cap space too. Um, potentially still need a goalie if Jack Campbell decides to go elsewhere. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, just some good short moves, hush. right, to get it off. Well, <laughs> you know, see how that I goes. Th eh? I think that is, that is, that is the, current, that, the current depth chart for the Toronto that's, Maple Leafs. That's a, that's a tough is place hush. to be when you you have that much. It's it's sort of Edmonton-like, right, where you, you need a goalie to put you over the top at this point. 
and they don't have a lot of cap space to do it, nor are there a lot of goalies really out there that, that you can get. Well, especially now after two trades in the past 24 hours. Right. First of all, I thought it was larceny that mm -hmm. uh, Joe Sackick was able to get Gorgia for two-thirds and a fifth. Yeah. Considering... A little risky, though, in my opinion. I mean, just knowing how Gorgia played in New York, but I agree with you. But is it, it risky if you're risk. just giving away two-thirds and a, and a fifth? Right. I it's mean, a well-calculated like... risk, and I don't think they... They don't lose much, right, if you're going for this kind of dynasty thing that we're talking about with... With potentially with with Kale McCarr and the Avs, yes, you're right, yeah, yeah, and, and again, you know, you see what the trade market is like next year at the deadline if they do need a goaltender. Um, and it certainly does sound like Darcy Kemper is going to be heading onto the open market with yeah. the Stanley Cup ring. Although, if you sort of look at the numbers, certainly through the playoffs, he was uh, historically mediocre for a team yeah. that actually won uh, won the cup. And I think mediocre even might be a, be a little bit charitable. Um, yeah. But Billy Huso's off the market. He was another guy that many people thought was going to be a target of teams like the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, Detroit got him for a third-round pick and signed him to a three-year extension at just under $5 million. So that goaltending market has uh, has shrunk considerably when it came to players that thought would be available, whether as RFAs or UFAs. Yeah. And there's still huge question marks in Edmonton, in Toronto, and a number of other spots around the league. Yeah, and don't forget Marc-Andre Fleury signed an extension in, in, uh, in, in Minnesota there. So he's he's off the market too. Yeah, I, I don't know where it's going to happen now for a couple of these teams, right? I mean... Uh, if Mike Smith wants to come back, uh, I I don't I can't remember if Mike Smith said he was coming back or not yet. So I'm not I'm not entirely sure there. Um, what's on that? And you know I don't think they're bringing Mac Michael Koskinen in, in Edmonton either. And so you know you're kind of down to uh, Stuart uh, uh, Stuart Skinner there if if that's the case. And that's not where you want to be. And obviously you talk Michael Hutchinson in Toronto. That's not where you want to be. Um, potentially they're going to have to pay for Jack Campbell. I know Jack Campbell said he wants to be in Toronto or that, but you know, guys only want to be in places if they're getting paid, but they, they should be getting paid too, for the most part. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, good for the jets. They still got Connor Hellebuck under contract and, uh, well, that I, oh, yeah. speaking of the jets, let me ask you this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is hilarious considering how many of many of you in the chat right now said that Eric Comrie couldn't win a damn game in the National Hockey League. But uh, are the Jets, do you think the Jets are somewhat uh, worried that there might be a little bit more money out there for Eric and a better opportunity to maybe play a little bit more than uh, the spot here in Winnipeg behind a horse like Hellebuck? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I wonder what Eric sort of thinks too about, you know, how last season went. And if the Jets are like, okay, we're going to give you some more starts this year based on, you know, kind of the workload that Hellebuck had. It was obviously a strange season last year, especially with a couple weeks off because of COVID and all that, which kind of threw a wrench into it. And the Jets are really in the mix at the end, you know, trying to fight for a playoff spot, which eventually didn't come to fruition, of course. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a good question. I mean, this is kind of the Laurent Brassois thing where, you know, you have a couple of good seasons. I mean, Comrie's only had one, really, but he opened some eyes this year, obviously. Uh, and so there could be more money out there for him. I'm interested with – I'm always interested with Eric Comrie. He has more money than he knows what to do with just because his dad and all that sort of stuff. He just loves playing hockey. And I, I think, you know, if there's one guy that's going to take – that sort of, I don't know, what do you want to call it? A hometown discount, whatever it is. Not a hometown, but he's been with the Jets so long. I think Eric Conry feels very comfortable in this organization. And I think he would be willing to take a little less 
to stay here. Just what he's been through the last couple of years. I don't all think it's a money teams, thing. But and, and by no, the way, I think it is an opportunity thing. Like you're, you're talking yeah, about, right? Yeah, like, I mean, if there's a spot where there's far less established goaltender on a team that said, hey, you're going to come in and you're going to be part of this tandem. And if you play better, you'll be the guy that'll be going out there more often than not. I don't, I, at this point in his career, how does he say no to that? I guess is the question. Yeah, and Edmonton be considered his hometown, I suppose, right? So would you want to go there and play for the Oilers um, and have that chance? I, I'm interested. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know an actual value or, or what teams think of Eric Comrie, though, going forward, having, let's point. say, a split share uh, thing. I, I just I, I don't have a sense of what that is. Um, because Eric Conry played well, but you know, you would look at Eric Conry and you'd say he's an undersized goalie for what a lot of teams want. You know, Connor Hellebuck's size is the size that you want. You look at goalies, they're massive these days. Um, and that sort of thing. Conry's not, but Conry was calm and poised last year, really took advantage of his opportunity. Um, when a lot of people thought he didn't. I thought Con I thought I said I wrote in my preseason thing that Eric Conry would be, you know, basically send on waivers. Uh, by American Thanksgiving, and man, I was wrong. Like, Don't I worry, ate, that terrible take was shared by eighty percent of the <laughs> chat know. at the beginning of the season. Right. So yeah, no, that's the thing. Like Eric Conry's surprise, and I, I'm interested to see. You know, all he had to do was play good to look really good on this Jets team this past year, and he did. I'm interested to see what he looks like on a better Jets team. I don't think he gets worse, of course. Um, but if the Jets are better defensively, I think the whole team is better. Um, so what does that look like? I mean, I think that's good for a team like Edmonton or even a team like Toronto. But I just think those teams are looking for that, that, that really that bona fide starter. Um, but but that's the thing. Like Colorado got it done with Pavel Francouz, who is you know his head barely touches the crossbar, um, and Darcy Kemper too. So uh, it's interesting. You don't really always need that guy anymore. You look at Boston with Swayman and, and Allmark. You know, those guys, it's always kind of been a kind of a timeshare in Boston. Even when Rask was there, there was, you know, they, they managed his workload. But then you got the Vasilevskis in, in Tampa who, you know, won back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. So I don't know. Like, that's the thing with goaltending now. There seems to be this, like, kind of split on, you know, do you go with the tandem? Do you go with the number one? How much do you play the number one? Um, and, and, and really, I mean, how good does that tandem one B supposedly or potentially have to be. Um, and I just don't know. I, like I said, I don't have a good sense on what teams think of where Eric Conrad is. I know where the jets think he is. And I think the jets would love to keep him on a pretty, you know, inexpensive deal just because of cap concerns. Um, I don't know how much risk other teams are willing to put into a guy like that. Uh, when potentially they, they could try and swing a trade for maybe more of a, uh, a one uh, number one goalie that would maybe play, you know, kind of 50 games and have the backup play another 30 or so. I should mention one other goalie was on the move of Vitek Vanacek, who of course was a Kraken for all of a day or whatever, when he was selected <laughs> yeah. in the expansion draft and traded back to the caps, he goes to the New Jersey devils uh, with a second for a second and a third. Hey, Scotty, before we go, um, the other thing we've been talking about all week is potential player movement on the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. Did not happen today. What do you, where do you think things stand with Captain Blake Wheeler as well as one of the defensemen? And when, if a trade is made, when do you think those might take place? Yeah, I, I, I you know, the, the Wheeler one could take a bit. Uh, it could be short. It just depends on the circumstances. That's a hard contract to move, and there's a lot of moving parts there including Wheeler's no-movement clause. Where does he want to go? He has said that he would 
you know, potentially look at other teams. But then you got to find the right fit. How much cap space do the Jets have? Do they want to take the full 50% back that they, they could take, or do they want to get rid of more? Who are they willing to give up to sweeten the pot if they have to to get rid of the full contract? And then on you know the Pierre-Luc Dubois front, or sorry, on the Brendan Dillon front potentially, um, I think it's just the right deal. I, you know, it obviously didn't come to fruition here at, at the draft, um, but I think in the next week it, you could see that might hit, uh, you know, might pick up because the Jets will want to know that cap certainty. That's the one thing that Kevin Sheldon is really about is cap certainty, knowing what he has to work with, especially going into next Wednesday and free agent frenzy. So I would imagine if they're going to move a Dylan there, uh, I think that happens before next Wednesday. The Wheeler thing might take a little longer just because of how um, you know difficult and unique that kind of situation is trying to move out such a large contract. Um, with the parameters that are kind of involved in it. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, and I think your point of next Wednesday's uh, astute. Uh, we just have to think back to last season. I mean, yeah. going into free agency, the Nate Schmidt and the Brendan Deal, uh, Dylan deals were done heading into that post draft. And I'll tell you what, if there was ever a time to try to move one of those players, this year might be a good one because the UFA defenseman market is not particularly strong at all. And, um, you know, certainly there's a lot of teams that have the cap room right now to add a player or two and will be looking for established NHL defensemen. Hey, just on the way out, what do you think of tomorrow night's game? Bombers-Lions, uh, are we going to be talking about a uh, battle of the undefeateds next week yeah, with Bombers in Calgary or uh, can uh, can the well, BC Lions right? slay like, the dragon? Yeah, and so that's the thing we don't know. We, uh, it's such an intriguing game, right? Because BC has been so dominant, right? I, I was looking at the the CFL pundit picks this week. And I think only one person picked the Bombers and the Bombers haven't really shown that dominant side of themselves yet. Dealing with some injuries. Exactly. And BC has, but who has BC done it against? You know, like these teams have really picked on the Eastern conference teams, uh, the East division teams um, and the West division teams haven't really locked horns at all yet. And so that's what we're going to see. I mean, I'm, I'm in Calgary for the the game, uh, the Bombers and the Stampeders at the end of the month. You know, that is, again, those are going to be the games that are really interesting. But I think BC kind of has the slight edge. And I just, I say that because what we've seen, how dominant that offense has been with Nathan Rourke, the Canadian QB. Um, I'm, I'm really interested. I think the Bombers can do it, though. I, I think the Bombers have the defense and they're still waiting for that breakout game offensively where Brady Oliver really gets it going on the ground. And they just, that Claros is, is, is tossing up two or three touchdowns instead of just one, and they're getting that 300-yard game and the 100-yard game on the ground. But the Bombers haven't put that together. But, Leon, let's say they won last week by the skin of their teeth. Uh, but the defense, you know, came through. And, and you know, obviously they missed a field goal at the end to, to lose the early extra point there, I believe. Um, but, yeah, it, it, that's a – oh, I, I'm really intrigued. That's probably the most exciting CFL matchup to watch this season and in a little while because how dominant the Bombers were last year. Um, this year, it's really like, you know, who is the actual best team in the CFL? And I think you're going to find out in the next couple of weeks here with the games against BC and Calgary uh, to see kind of determines who's the best team uh, in yeah in the CFL and obviously in the West Division. 6 p.m. Saturday <laughs> night, a little prime time across the country. Uh, I can't wait for it as well. Yeah. Scotty, thanks so much for doing this. Um, hey, good news about this whole thing. You don't have to get on a plane and fly back from Montreal. <laughs> Yeah, I love flying. But yeah, no, you're good. Yeah, you're right. I got to do it. You have way more screens 
uh, to deal with. You don't just have your one laptop. I had like three screens going here. So it was a lot easier to kind of just like, you know, uh, work. My productivity uh, was uh, much better than it would have been at the draft, just given and and all the late nights and, and all the other stuff that goes along with being up. There. Yeah, all the fun, so. all the fun. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, man, appreciate you. Thanks yeah. so much for doing this and have a great weekend. Yeah, anytime. House. Appreciate it. Good stuff. There's our guy, Scott Billick, Winnipeg son. You can check out uh, it's great stuff from yesterday, of course, and coming out of today's round two through seven. Um, we're going to get to Montreal with Weber coming up in just a couple minutes. Um, hey, our gang at the Manitoba Battery uh, continues to be the spot where you'll save time and money on the best prices on batteries in town. They're the home of the $99 deep, site, deep cycle battery, and you won't find anyone in town that can complete with that price. Whether it's for your camper, your boat, or anything else, you'll get the best price and the best service from the guys and gals down at Manitoba Battery. And not only are you getting the best deal, but you're going to save yourself time because they're going to bring the battery to your door at no extra cost when you live inside the perimeter and slightly outside the perimeter for a small fee as well. Forget the big box stores when it comes to batteries. Shop local, get a better price, and enjoy the convenience and service that Manitoba Battery has to offer. Learn more at manitobabattery.com or go visit the team in the coolest JetBlue building in Winnipeg at 1026 Logan Avenue. Open 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily. Uh, of course, our friends at Culligan Water have been the leaders in the water game in Winnipeg and Manitoba for over 65 years uh, they're locally owned, and they really have everything that you need. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether it's for the home, the cottage, or the office, Culligan Water has you covered. Hit them up at 1200 Sergeant Avenue, 694-5180, and online at drinkculligan.com. Uh, we mentioned and showed yesterday on the program that Royal Sports has all the brand new NHL draft hats. If you thought the young men getting called up onto the podium last night looked good, you can grab that look as well. Available right now for all 32 teams at Royal Sports. Um, just another reason why Royal Sports has been the number one spot for sports fans for over 35 years. And in addition to all the great merchandise for your favorite teams and leagues, they've got a massive soccer section, softball, baseball, fitness, bikes, not to mention tennis and cool summer activities like disc golf as well. Pop, pop on down, see them at 750 Pemina Highway. And on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina, make a point of giving them a follow and uh, checking them out. And uh, hey, as we mentioned, Aaron Cockrell, what around 29 on the front nine today at the Barbasol Championship. He's tied for fifth right now. We'll be paying very close attention to Aaron as well as Canadian Adam Svensson, who's at the top of the leaderboard throughout the weekend. And when we talk golf, we do it for our friends at Breezy Bend. Shout out to everyone that participated in the women's and men's mid-ams out at Granite Hills, which is finishing up today. And, uh, of course, if you're thinking about a great home for your golf, if your family on the golf course at one of Winnipeg's top private clubs, Breezy Bend's the spot. Give them a call. Talk to Corey Johnson, our good friend, or find out more online at breezybend.com. All right, let's get to Montreal and bring in Ken Weeb. Finishing up all the festivities of the draft. Weaver, uh, how are you doing? How's it been? Hustle's uh, beautiful. Yeah, everything is good here. How are you? Uh, well, I'm fine. Uh, I guess everything's sort of slowing down. It's been a real exciting thing. First of all, uh, how impacted were you and all of your colleagues by the Rogers outage today? 
Well, uh, no phone calls going out, which is a little bit frustrating, but we're doing our best here. The, the texting is working. Uh, and I do have to say it was a bit of a struggle with the internet in the building this last few days. I could not get online until the building emptied. Yes, it was a bit of a struggle, but we did our best. Uh, yes, you did. Um, listen, hey, before we get to the Jets, uh, what did you make of, um, and fill us in on being in the building, what it was like when Slikovsky went off the board first and Shane Wright dropped all the way to fourth to the Seattle Kraken. Uh, it seemed like we knew it was going to be unpredictable, and uh, it, it certainly came through like that. It did. First of all, the vibe was unbelievable us in the building. It, was, it had a little bit of WWE feel, I think, which I know you appreciate. Uh, there was a little bit of a warming towards Slavkos. I don't think people were super pumped right out of the gate, but they started to get fired up. There were a couple of boos, but the cheering overwhelmed it. Or, and then what happened later on, Slavkovsky went up to the TSN podium. People went absolutely nuts. They were singing Ole, Ole, Ole again. It just was fantastic. Yeah, well, I also saw a piece, a uh, video from Mike McIntyre, speaking of the WWE yeah. vibe, where, I mean... He looked like Kevin Owens himself in Montreal, high-fiving all the fans. And by the way, I tweeted this out. If you haven't seen it, check social media. The highlight of the entire draft was KO himself, Kevin Owens, surprising his biggest fan, Bruce Boudreaux, live on the NHL Network today. That was absolutely classic. Um, uh, but, Ken, let's get down to business. Um, you know, We'll talk about the Manitobans in a minute. Um, Rucker McGrory, 14th overall, and then... The uh, most Canadian-sounding Finn of all time, Brad Lambert, at the 30th selection. Both of these guys came into the year as, you know, top prospects. McGordy sort of stayed in that middle tier of the first round, and Lambert somehow fell to the Jets at 30. I mean, what were uh, what was the reaction around with the colleagues on those two picks for Winnipeg? And uh, what do you think when you got the chance to talk to them and hear from Kevin Chevaldea? Yeah, super interesting on a lot of front. Uh, McGordy is super interesting. Huss, I mean, really high energy guy terms of how he handled himself with the media interesting player really offensive scored more than 50 goals last school even last year even though he's known as a two-way player and a physical guy uh love the way love the way he conducted himself and here's the other thing Hus. he knows he has a, 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 he needs to improve his skating game and he knows it and he's working with barb underhill so to me that's good self-awareness but great attitude he's a leader and he's a guy the Jets are going to be able to lean on once he comes out of the University of Michigan. We know the Jets have had good success with that program. In terms of Lambert, loved the way he attacked the fact he was a guy who dropped. He said, just as quickly as I fell this year, I'm going to be back on the rise. So I love the confidence and the exuberance. He's confident in his game. He knows his skating is among the best in this draft class. He's probably going to play for the Seattle Thunderbirds of the Western Hockey League next season after a tough year over in Liga. But this is a guy that's going to go to a team that's excellent and be a dominant kind of player. Just spoke with Mark Hillier. He was fired up to be able to get him. He outwardly said he knew it was a tough year. Otherwise, he's not available at 30. But they trust in the player and his skating ability and finishing ability was something that really caught their attention. Now, um, you mentioned Seattle. Do you think they're, I mean, he was playing against men last year. Might he be an option for the Moose? He would be an option, like technically, but for me, Huss, I think because of the situation Seattle will be in, Seattle is going to be like the Winnipeg Ice on the other side in the Western League. 
they're going to be among the teams that are going to be chasing the Memorial Cup. So I think that they'd probably rather have them in that junior hockey situation. But the Moose would certainly be an option, and we know that they don't have a ton of the high-end skilled players at that level. We have, they have a lot of prospects up front, but they don't have those finishers necessarily. So, but to me, I think the Western League is probably the primary option option right now. So we'll see what happens and how that develops. Uh, well, tell us a little bit more about what Mark Hillier had to say. I always love uh, hearing him after the draft on who they picked. Um, and listen, I know we've talked about the first rounder, but let's talk about a couple of the top selections today. Uh, Elias Salmonson, who I believe Bob McKenzie had 14th going into the yeah. season. And um, a very interesting Russian-born playing for Canadian player from the OHL, Daniil Zilkin, at 77th overall. What did we learn about those two new uh, additions to the fold? Yeah, Salmonson, really, uh, really nice kid as well. And he's a guy who mentioned Adam Larson as a guy he likes to pattern his game after. Skilled guy, but also plays with a bit of an edge. Jilton is super interesting. What a story. Nine years old. He comes over for a camp. They're so impressed by him that he moves his family from Russia at nine years old to chase his NHL dream. And even that. He didn't think the NHL was a possibility for him until about three years ago. So really outgoing kid. He did a great job with Team Canada recently. I think they beat Russia at one of those tournaments, which is really special for him. Good two-way player, great finisher, good skater. I uh, was very impressed by him as well. And, and the, the other part on the scene here, Hus, the goalie that just got selected by the Jets in the seventh round. What a scene. This place is clearing out. Most people have either been picked or won't be picked his name gets called and the place goes bonkers there's like a, a group of 20 or 30 friends and family members around him and he's just really fired up about the experience i talked about you know love and carry price as a goalie growing up and he said now i'm gonna have to watch uh, connor hellebuck a little bit more and so uh really interesting on a lot of fronts and then fabian wagner the swedish player really good two-way center is what we heard about him and then Garrett Brown is a guy who won a USHL championship with Sioux City this year. Uh, big, strong guy on the back end, pretty mobile. And he'll be going to the University of Denver, I believe, the reigning Frozen Four champion. So a nice variety pack. We knew the Jets were looking to replenish. And Mark Hiller was thrilled by the fact they had seven picks and they were able to get something at every position, a little bit of variety. The one thing that Hillier said about McGroarty, He's the kind of player they don't have a lot of, the power forward. You know, we're used to the Jets taking these fast and skilled guys in the first round. Here's a guy that has the offensive ability, but also a two-way game and like that true bona fide power forward element that the Jets don't have a ton of in their organization. Well, and, and, and listen, we all know what, what was the feeling around this team last year the energy that he brought to the podium, to the draft, oh, and yeah. seemingly to the team. I mean, it, it feels infectious. And I've seen a lot of people, and again, no one knows anything about these players, let's face it, the vast majority, unless you're a scout, you don't know. But I will say this, that is something that absolutely was lacking with the Winnipeg Jets last year. And whenever he presumably becomes a Winnipeg Jet, any team, would love to have that sort of a player and that sort of energy. And you hope that it is infectious for the other guys in the locker room. Yeah. And there's a leadership element component to that too, Huss, right? He was the captain of the under 18 team for new team USA. And that's not a surprise or not an accident. We know this has been something looked at in the floor before with Adam Lowry, with, with Andrew Kopp, 
Jacob Truba, guys like that. So, but I'm with you. The high energy is really impressive to watch. And I think it's important. As you mentioned, we've talked about this a lot. They have a lot of positive guys, but they had this dark cloud the last little while, the last couple of years. So I think it's important that they draft guys that are excited. And you know, they've had guys that have had the departure from the organization, even though they also have had guys that, to commit long-term. So I think it's a, a good, good variety pack that they filled in here. Well, speaking of departures from the organization, um, the blue line still stands as it is, and Blake Wheeler's still uh, on the squad and the current yep. captain. Uh, what can you tell us about, um, do you know, like, did the Jets get close to making any deals? Uh, where are discussions, and uh, what should what do you expect to have happen over the course of these next few days heading into Wednesday's free agency? It has to be honest, it's been a little quiet here on those fronts. I mean, obviously, we were expecting maybe Brennan Dillon would be a guy who would be on the move. I thought the Edmonton Oilers might be a team that would be kicking the tires around him. But now with the news about Duncan Keith moving on, I don't know if it's going to happen, but we'll see. And I also wondered about Jesse Pugliarvi being a guy the Jets might kick the tires on because we know they were interested in the year that they took Patrick Laniad too. And maybe that would be something they could still develop later on, but it seems like it's been a little bit quiet. Kevin Chevaldeff you know, didn't seem all that impressed by my question about the trade the trade values and maybe what the market what was out there. But uh, I think he was said the focus was on their draft picks. Now I would imagine they'd be looking more on the personnel side with free agency less than a week away. Um, yeah. I mean, I will say this with Keith retiring, I would imagine that yeah. that might even open the door more for Edmonton to be adding a defenseman. I guess it depends on what that probably means. Tyson Berry staying, I guess that was the right, one exactly. thing. That's that it, sort of it, the buzz around here. Um, well, what did you think about the other deals uh, that had happened? I mean, I'm still stunned that Kyle Davidson couldn't get more for Alex DeBrincat personally. Um, and then a number of other interesting deals, um, you know, like obviously a D'Angelo going to the, um, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers and goalies were really maybe the, the most valuable. They were the most traded asset with, uh, yeah. with the uh, double V and uh, Washington going to New York, um, as well as Flurry re-signing. And then, uh, uh, of course, the other deals, including Vili Husso, now a member of Steve Eiserman's Red Wings. Yeah, I like the uh, move with Husso to the Red Wings. What I love is the Georgiev move by the Colorado Avalanche. I know there was a lot of talk that Darcy Kemper may be coming back, but to be able to get a guy at a lower price range, that will allow them to have more room for the Nathan McKinnon extension and also to maybe bring back Valerie Nichushkin. So I think those are important elements. Also, that could open the door for Josh Manson to return as well. On the other fronts, it's interesting. I mean, the tankathon is definitely on for Chicago. Oh. Arizona was interesting yesterday. But overall, I think there will be bigger deals to come. And when it comes to Debrink and Huss, I'm with you. I love the move by Ottawa. I don't think they gave up a ton to get them, to be honest. And I think it's a perfect fit for a team that's trying to accelerate. Uh, the other thing was the Shane Wright. I mean, we only touched on it earlier. I got to say, our guy, Stephen Wino, had this pegged a couple days ago. He felt like he had the potential to be the Seth Jones of this draft. And maybe drop from one to four. I thought Arizona would take him at three. But, you know, Sean Reynolds had great information saying that Logan Cooley was their guy all along. Uh, lots of debate over the potential death stare from Shane Wright towards <laughs> the table. Uh, but Shane also doing a nice job of thanking the fans on the in-house camera here of the Canadians that did support him. 
And Huss, when Sean and I walked out of the building yesterday, there were a lot of right choice Habitat t-shirts out in front. Those are going to be collector's items quickly. Yeah, there was uh, there was quite a few like full fledged fifty one jerseys done up, named, yeah. numbered as well. I'm not sure what happens to those. By the way, folks, uh, great to see so many people with us here in the chat. Make sure you hit that red subscribe button and uh, join us daily here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Monday to Friday, one p.m. Central. And while you're at it, let's get the thumbs up to uh, two hundred. Would you hit that thumbs up and uh, help us spread the channel? Um, so, Ken, I mean, I know you guys are uh, going to be uh, kicking all this around once we're finished, and we'll kick it over to you guys with uh, with Sean for a full draft recap. Um, how much has changed for the Jets over the course of this uh, this bit? I mean, you've got some exciting young players that don't really project into the lineup, I'd imagine, for this season. Um, are we going to be having the same sort of conversations we've been having for the last few weeks uh, over the course of these next couple? I don't see it, Huss. I think the next time that we talk, maybe Thursday or Friday, there will be some tweaks. And I don't think they're just going to be minor. I think there's a foundational piece on the move, and there will also be a defenseman or two moved. The one thing we know about Rick Bonus, he's had great success with those young defensemen. So I think the Jets will make room for Dylan Sandberg and Billy Hanela. That means somebody has to go. I don't know who it's going to be, whether it's Brendan Dillon or Dylan DeMello or Nate Schmidt. There's a lot of teams too, Huss, that need to get to the floor. So that opens up some possibilities on the back-end trades and also with Blake Wheeler. Even though Wheeler still has a good chunk of the control with the five-team list, he will submit. That's what we're going to spend the next few days working on. Which teams can afford Wheeler? And at what price? Will there have to be some retention? It sounds like there would only be minimal retention on Wheeler based on some of the buzz around the building here. I don't think the Jets are going to run it back. So that's, I think, is what you're asking. Uh, the one other thing to watch, too, Eric Comrie. We know the Jets have made an offer, but it hasn't been signed yet. And I'm expecting Eric Comrie to at least have to listen in free agency. That's sort of the sense that I get from around Montreal, too. I think there's still a good chance that he comes back, but there will be some competition for his services. And the other big thing, we know that Connor Hellebuck is fired up to come back next year. And he is obviously going to be a key. And you and I have talked about Mark Shifley. We know how Rick Bonus feels after the conversations with Mark Shifley. I think that we're going to see the old Mark Shifley back. The, one, the guy who loves hockey. The guy who wants to be the driver on this team. Well, that would be good. Because uh, if he's going to be back on the squad, that's pretty much uh, exactly what people would like to see. Um, overall, Ken, outside of the Winnipeg Jets, what caught you? Uh, what, what's the big story in your mind as far as the league goes leaving Montreal uh, tomorrow? Well, I think there's still a lot of moves to come. I think the thing that we've seen here where there's a lot of GMs speaking with one another, being in the same building, I think the groundwork was laid for a lot of important deals that are going to be happening, whether that's free agency. I mean, Andrew Kopp's a guy we talked a lot about. I expect the Nashville Predators to be very aggressive in their pursuit of Andrew Kopp. I think the New York Rangers could possibly circle back on Kopp. Sounds like maybe Ryan Strom is going to be moving on. And Huss, maybe that would be a guy that could catch the Jets' attention well. I know he was a guy they liked a lot when they got Mark Scheifele in that 2011 draft because he was chosen before him by the New York Islanders. But big things to come is what I would say. And the big thing for the Jets, us, 
two of the teams that are basically tanking in the NHL, they reside in the Central Division. So you're basically looking at a six-horse race for four or five spots. So can the Jets finish ahead of the Nashville Predators, the Minnesota Wild, the Dallas Stars? We'll see. But I think that the Central Division has two teams that are clearly in a rebuild. So how does that bode for the Jets' chances? I mean, it seems like two teams are basically eliminated from playoff contention before the puck drops on the season. Weaver, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, tee up what you and the Ren Dog are going to have coming up once we're finished up after uh, dropping the marbles. Yeah, so so show number three of our five-game block is going to actually include a conversation with Mark Hillier. He's going to join us, I think, uh, pretty early at the top of the hour, and we'll go through a little bit more of the scouting report. I know you and I have talked about it now, but we'll we'll get the expert's opinion from the guy who's watched the majority of them. And then we're going to bounce a few ideas around. We had a you know a fun draft show with Eric Engels and Sam Cosentino. Uh, we're just going to chat it up and, and continue the, the conversation here. It's been great to be with you as always. And thanks for your patience. I got new iPod Pros, and I've been hearing my own voice this whole time, and it's been a little bit of an annoyance. I'm going to have to go to the chief technical officer to get that sorted out next time. You're incredible. Hey, quickly, just last one Wait. on the way out. What, what were you hearing about? Um, what, what did your colleagues or the people in the know have to say about the Jets' performance at the draft? And uh, was there one team that everyone said, man, these guys nailed it? Yeah, for me, I think I think people are pretty happy with what the Jets are able to be. Again, some people are going to say that Lambert is a boomer bust kind of guy, but you can't forget the fact that this guy was projected to be a potential top three pick two years ago when he burst onto the scene at the World Junior. So, and Mark Hillier even admitted himself, if that World Junior is not closed to after two games, maybe Lambert's not there at 30. And maybe that's the tournament that gets the season going rather than going back and struggling a little bit. Uh, McGrady's a guy that's got some good buzz from other teams. Other teams thought very highly of him as well. And as for the second day, haven't really talked to anybody yet, but I would say the Jets did fairly well. I mean, everyone's going to say they had a great day and you got guys that maybe were high on your list. But the one thing, everyone thought there'd be so much variation on lists. I don't think that was really the case. Maybe in the numerical side of things, but I think it was a little bit more true to form than people expected. But the one thing, we did see a lot of OHL guys drop because of that lost season. Yeah, and that no, also had a lot of potential. Yeah, no doubt about that. And obviously, as we talked about earlier, a great day for Manitoba with the three first-rounders and Adam Ingram going today and Mikey Milne from the ice and Reed Dick and Winkler and more. Uh, yeah. Weber, we'll look forward to uh, you uh, getting it going uh, after we're finished this afternoon. Travel safely, and now uh, we'll see you when you get back to the peg. Thanks, man. And how about that 29 on the front for Aaron Cockrell? Unbelievable. Dude, I'm so fired up. I can't wait to up. get golfing with you, Huss. I, and I had a great day yesterday with uh, Francois Gagnon from RDS. He took me to his club in Laval. Laval, Laval, du Lelac. Unbelievable course. Had a blast. Didn't shoot the best, but had a great day out there. Oh, I thought you said he took you to the club in Laval. And I'm like, man, they got oh, some no, pretty no. good ones right there in Montreal, Ken. I don't know whether you needed to go that far. <laughs> hey, you you have, have a good one. Don't have too much fun there. Have one of those hot dogs for me. Take care, my man. Shien Show has been uh, devoured. Yes, uh, Ken Weave doing his best Joey Chestnut impersonation for the entirety <laughs> of the NHL draft. Ken, we'll see you when you get back here. Thanks, bud. Talk to you soon, Huss. Thanks for having me. All right, good stuff. Uh, and actually, it is going to be busy right afterwards. Um, so if you want to continue talking hockey, 
Kenny and Rennie will fire it up after Winnipeg Sports Talk. And at the same time, DB and Chris Walby are going to be getting ready for the game in the Canadian Football League this week. And that, of course, is the tilt between the Bombers and Lions. We're going to talk about that for a few minutes coming up with Marshall Ferguson in just a few minutes. Um, hey, our friends at Not Auto Corp are ready for summer, ready for the weekend. If you are thinking about getting into a new whip, before you do anything, head on down to Not Auto Corp and talk to the experts about what you're looking for. Uh, because bottom line is, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the Not team? They've got amazing vehicles on the lot, including a number of Teslas. If you're thinking about going electric, talk about the Tesla experience program they've got going on. And if there is a particular make and model you're looking for, let them know. They'll get it here to Winnipeg and get you into it for the best price possible. Not Autocorp, Waverly and McGilvery, and online at not.ca. Well, I'm not sure if there's anyone watching on YouTube from the Folk Fest right now, but if you are heading out to the Folk Fest on the weekend, make sure you pick up the official beer of the Folk Fest, the brand new Folk Fest lager from our friends at Little Brown Jug. And you don't need to head out to Birds Hill to pick it up either. You can grab it in local beer stores. Your best place to do is popping down to the tap room on William Avenue and trying it for yourself. Of course, we were there a few weeks back for a Friday show. Had so much fun doing that. And uh, we got a chance to try quite a few of those delicious Little Brown Jug beers. Pop on down and see them on William Avenue. You can always check them out online and order online with citywide delivery as well at littlebrownjug.ca. It is a great weekend for a blizzard. And of course, it's the summer. We mean DQ blizzard from our friends at Nick and Nicky DQ. Four locations in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba, the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. An incredible array of amazing and new Blizzard flavors and uh, some of the best burgers in the fast food game as well with the brand new Stack Burgers. Cannot speak enough to how good they are. Had a couple last weekend as well on my travels out to Dauphin. Nick and Nicky DQ on Instagram as well at DQ Manitoba. Hit them up online if you want to get a custom-made cake. They'll have it ready for you quick and easy at your favorite and most convenient Nick and Nikki DQ. And hey, no Assiniboy downs tonight, but they are back on Monday at the track, and we are going to be there. I've already found out race number three on Tuesday is the Winnipeg Sports Talk race. Cannot wait to welcome in our winners from the Pick 6 contest a couple weeks ago and get in on that world-class prime rib buffet. Make a plan to get out to Assiniboia Downs next week, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, post-time at 7.30 p.m. And you can always bet online at the track here in Winnipeg and around the world with an account at hpibet.com. All right, we do have marbles still to come, so don't go anywhere, and don't forget, folks, you have to be subscribed to win, so make sure, if you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button. But right now, let's head out east, Welcome in our good friend Marshall Ferguson and get ready for Bombers Lions Saturday night. We had to, with all the chaos of the uh, of the draft happening and not knowing when Ken was going to be able to join us as well as Scott, depending on availabilities, we got a chance to catch up with Marsh um, a little bit earlier, just like right around noon. Um, we first obviously talked about that absolute thrashing of the Elks last night by the Calgary Stampeders. And I don't know what it is with poor Sarah Orleski, but Sarah is a, uh, you know, if you're a storm chaser, you should probably just, you know, pay Sarah to ride in your car because the bad weather seems to be attracted to Sarah. Of course, she was here last week on the Friday game when we had the delay and they had quite the delay last night. 
And uh, that probably felt like years for members of the Edmonton Elks who were in the process of getting their asses handed to them by the Calgary Stampeders, who absolutely blew them out of the park last night. Um, of course, tonight we've got the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And I guess while we get this ready, I may as well go hit the cool bet lines right now. Uh, and Ottawa, three and a half point underdogs against Saskatchewan. And that's amazing. When we did the lock shop earlier this week, we got on Ottawa at plus seven. So um, it's had a pretty big, significant movement in favor of the Red Blacks. Saskatchewan's still favored, though, minus three and a half for the game. And I said that it might happen, and it finally did. The Bombers are actually three and a half point underdogs right now. You recall this game opened up at minus one and a half. Uh, it's now three and a half. So uh, I think you know where I'm going on this one. I mean, yeah, I know Kyrie Wilson's uh, back on the sixth game, which is unfortunate. Uh, it's a short week and a tough spot, but the Bombers have shown that they find ways to win football games, and the Bombers right now plus 140 on the money line, uh, but pretty hard to ignore a team that hasn't been an underdog in about a year and seemingly wins week in and week out regardless of uh, who they're playing and what else is going on as three-and-a-half-point dogs in tomorrow night's game. Um, you can also bet on the women, uh, Wimbledon men's singles final between Novak Djokovic and Nick Kyrgios, Wimbledon women's, Scottish Open and more, all there for you at coolbet.com. Use the promo code WST if you haven't already for a 100% uh, bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. Uh, all right, are we ready for Marsha, Reem? He's all set. He's all set. Okay, here's uh, Marshall Ferguson. We caught up just a little bit before we went on the air today to uh, tee up Bombers Lions tomorrow night. Marsh, what's up, man? How are you? Fired up, buddy. I'm, uh, you know what, after a late night drenched uh, in Edmonton there, I'm just excited that we're playing a game with two teams indoors uh, that cannot be affected on a Saturday night that are undefeated. I think it's going to be a great one. Hey, listen, just before we get to Saturday and tonight's game as well, I mean, what the hell is going on in Edmonton? I mean, I oh. guess they got the win. This has the feeling of last year's Ottawa Red Blacks where they got a win or two earlier in the season and they might not win another one for the rest of the year. I mean, does Chris Jones know what he's doing or is this part of the master plan? Because it is ugly right now. I was legitimately sad watching the most of that game, and yet I told you just before we came on that I have a terrible addiction to this stupid league, so I ended up watching the whole damn thing. And, uh, you know, part of it was to see how Bo Levi was going to handle coming out of the, the rain delay. Part of it was to see how Nick Arbuckle was going to handle the adversity of, hey, Nick, you're in, you're out, just kidding, you're in, hey, you're out, you're in. Uh, all of that, to me, is so difficult to deal with for those quarterbacks. And you know me, I'm always analyzing quarterbacks and studying them. And uh, because I watch these guys with such a close eye, because they play the most important position on the team and in, in a league that gets a lot of attention and love for the quarterback play. I just, I, I'm always interested in seeing how they are attacking and handling these difficult situations. But yeah, I mean, the Chris Jones defense thing, they're just bad. Like there's, there's times, I think the one kind of under the radar advantage to there being a lot of garbage time last night was seeing so much of the spider cam or kind of like that Madden style hanging over the top of the field camera from behind center because there were a couple of drives there where Calgary and that offensive line were just moving bodies and it was systematic. It's like the right guard in the center are doubling the defensive tackle and throwing him five yards out of the way and getting to the second level and bumping a linebacker and 
Like DBs are whiffing on tackles. Ned Gainey's talking smack the whole game to Kamar Jordan, and then he's really not doing anything other than talking smack the whole game. And then it's just like you watch it, and it has a very reminiscent feeling of the Chris Jones Saskatchewan teams. And there's a reason for that. Like it's the same offensive coordinator. It's the same Chris Jones running the defense. And to me, Chris Jones defenses are, they are bullies. They just, they want to punch you in the face over and over and over and over again and call you all sorts of names and beat you up. But the problem is when you run into teams like BC, run into teams that are not Hamilton's offense, as we saw in the second half of that game, uh, like Calgary, when they have their stuff together, like they did last night, all of a sudden you can punch as much as you want and Calgary and BC are just going like whiff, 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 right? Rope it open, just sitting there. And then Edmund is just like this angry kid who's just swinging and swinging and swinging. And, and you're just not accomplishing much of anything. And I'm not saying the system is broken. I'm not saying they can't play defense. I'm just saying they, they don't keep contained when they don't peel with the back on, you know, plays where he flares out. It's a problem. There's players screaming at each other in the secondary because they're not covering properly on quick screens. They're not communicating like on the back end. A lot this is sim- simple, fundamental stuff. And it's what Chris Jones said at halftime of the first game. And now we're entering, we just finished week five for these teams and it's no different. And that's what I think is really damning is your job. Like I love the Mike Tomlin interview he did recently uh, with I am athlete or undefeated. I think it was. And he basically said, if you are a coach and you think that your players cannot learn, you need to reevaluate how you're teaching. Because it's not always about the player not being able to learn. A lot of the time, it's about us being able to teach. I think they're trying to teach what Chris Jones believes in. But this group doesn't feel like they they get it. And that's what I think is incredible right now, is that when he brought in Mac Henry from Saskatchewan and Ed Ganey and uh, you know linebackers that he's been familiar with, like Dion Lacey, and he gets some of his own draft picks in there, even supplemental draft, like Jim and Pelly from the University of Calgary. He's in a defensive tackle last night ripping around. It's like he's he's been able to get enough bodies in that defense that he wanted that are his people, that understand his system, and it's, and it's nothing. And like they're just not putting it together. It's really, really uninspiring at this point for Edmonton. And I wish... Victor Quee that it was better because I, I love what that guy has done his whole energy and enthusiasm for the league and the game and the team and the city and the the product on the field is not whatsoever matching that and I believe that today will be the 1000th day since Edmonton has had a home victory in the Canadian Football League with the shortened season with the pandemic missed season but didn't have a great end of the season in 2019. Didn't win in 2021 at home. Haven't won at home in 2022. 1,000 days without your fans being able to leave the stadium with a win? That is pure pain. <laughs> there's uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, other teams have been there, though. This has been a very successful team for a long time, and now they're dealing with it right now. But I am with you. For the health of the league, it would be great to see things get uh, a little more respectable. That being said... From the outhouse to the penthouse we go, Saturday (laughs) night, Lions Bombers. Hey, listen, before we talk about the matchup, as a former Canadian quarterback, as someone that is so invested in the three-down game, how exciting has it been for you personally to see what Nathan Rourke's been able to do so far this season? Yeah, I I have a couple of kind of personal connections to this. One of them is obviously being an ex-Canadian quarterback. One of them is interviewing Nathan before he went into the CFL draft. I uh, did an hour-long podcast, sat down with him, got to know him a lot. Um, you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. I just hope I get an opportunity. He gets drafted 15th overall. He ends up 
spending the whole 2020 season in the building in BC, learning the playbook, coming to terms with what Jordan McSimmick, the offensive coordinator, wants of him. 2021, he takes all the practice reps. That essentially means that he's had two full years to wrap his mind around being a starter. So going into week one, I was nervous as all hell for the guy because, yes, I'm impartial. I don't care about teams. I don't care. Like, you know, people always say to me, oh, you're a Hamilton Tiger Cats homer because you live in Hamilton. No, I live here because I have a son that lives in Hamilton and I want to hang out with him. Like that's that's the reason why it's not because I want to be close to the Ticats and go to practice. I don't cheer for teams. I cheer for people and I cheer for stories. And there's no better story and no better person right now to talk about than Nathan Rourke. So I I get nervous like a proud papa, even though we're almost the same age when I see him take the field, because I know that every time that he throws an interception. It's going to be, well, he's the Canadian kid. He can't play. Oh, finally, the glass has been broken, and you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, and now he's not going to be the same. And and every time that he throws a touchdown, it's people going, wow, maybe he can actually – maybe Canadian quarterbacks can actually do this. Maybe this is the future of the CFL where we've got great development programs and we're starting to see grassroots produce better players at the most important position on the field. And So the highs and the lows of watching Nathan Mork play – have me feeling like I am much more than just a casual observer or a CFL analyst. I'm enjoying the holy hell out of it because that emotional connection, I'm not a gambler, but I imagine this is what people feel like when it's the end of the game and you've got Greg Ellingson on the over for 125 yards or something like that, because every single snap he takes, like my dad was laughing at me when Trey Ford started against Hamilton and he takes the, the shotgun snap on second and long and I'm going, Dad, what are they doing? They're going to go four wide here. Okay, three-man rush. He's going to have time. Where's he going to, Can he get it out to the boundary? Yeah, okay. Takes three-step drop. Boom. Fires it out. Oh, man, Trey, don't lock out your front. Like, I'm yelling at the screen, not because it's like, I hate you because you cheer for a team. It's like, I want the best for you, man. So, so give me your best. And I think the connection that I have with those guys is that I see the journey that they've been on to get the respect and get the opportunity to play this position in this league. And I just don't want them to waste it because it's so rare and it's so special to see them getting a real true chance. So, um, yeah, it's meant a lot. It's meant a lot. And I think, you know, I've, I had a BC Lions game already um, when they were in Ottawa last Thursday. I've got BC again I think in Toronto. I might have them in Hamilton or some, maybe even in Montreal later on this year. Like I've they loaded me up with the Lions games. And I think it's because the higher ups at TSN were like. Hey, I, I think the Canadian quarterback would probably like calling games of a Canadian quarterback. So, um, you know, whether it's Nathan Rourke or or uh, Michael O'Connor, it's it's a really inspiring move that they've made in in BC, uh, being able to invest in youth at an untraditional position that uh, I think is paying off in big ways for them. Well, it, it certainly is. And I mean, part of the conversation about the quote unquote risk of going with uh, O'Rourke and O'Connor is that they weren't putting the huge money into the quarterback position that most of the other teams like the Bombers are, and it allowed them to shore up the defense, add some more pieces for these young quarterbacks, and so far, so good. Um, let's talk about this matchup. The Bombers are 4-0. and It has been somewhat of a pedestrian 4-0 and start, if you can say that, but great teams find ways to win, and they seem to do that week in and week out. However, I think it's pretty clear that they're moving up a weight class right now with this trip out to the West Coast and a very tough schedule playing in Toronto on Monday. I mean, what do you make of this matchup, Marsh, in uh, this battle of un- unbeatens on Saturday night? Yeah, the first thing that I'll say in terms of like the money being spent on the quarterback position is if the Toronto Argonauts got their wish a couple of years ago and they offered, you know, reportedly Bo Levi Mitchell, uh, you know, almost a million dollars in the totality of his contract, 
would the Argonauts have been a world beater? No, like money, money does. This is a great lesson for life, I think, in this, which is money does not equate success at all points. Like, I know we look at this as like, wow, they spent a lot of money. They went out, they made a big free agency splash. How's that working out for Edmonton with Kenny Lawler? Who cares? Like, he leaves Winnipeg and he's not playing at a high level and his body language is terrible. It's seven he, yards last night. He's ignoring, like, the thing that killed me about Kenny Lawler, not to just bang on him, I'm just using him as an example of a high-priced guy who has unfortunately fallen on some difficult times, but it's like, he chased money leaving Winnipeg to go to Edmonton to take the biggest amount that he possibly could because it was BC and Edmonton that were interested. Edmonton outbid. Okay, you win the bidding. Congratulations. He goes there. Okay, who's your quarterback? I don't know. We got like 17 of them in the room. You didn't think that was important? Like you didn't think that that would matter to your overall production? In Hamilton, he scores a game-tying touchdown in the fourth quarter. He ignores Trey Ford in the end zone in favor of getting more camera time by finding our TSN cameras. That killed me because I'm like, Greg Ellingson ain't doing that. If it's a rookie quarterback, he's going to go find him and celebrate with him and understand that that moment is meaningful to him as well. Then you see, if you were awake last night, late in the fourth quarter, an out route from Nick Arbuckle that falls incomplete. And Kenny Lawler is sitting on the ground, TSN camera on the sidelines about 10 yards away from him. And he just looks back at Arbuckle and puts his head down and just shakes his head. It's like, he has no filter on the fact that this sucks. And it's like, well... Could you not tell that that might have sucked based on, I don't know, Darrell Walker going there and how the Edmonton experience has gone for him without a consistent quarterback the last couple of years? It's like, it's the same story. I'm in a city. I want to go make some money. I go to a place that doesn't have a consistent quarterback. Oh, look, I hate it here. I'm not having fun. Chasing money does not make you a better football team. So BC being smart, playing the market in a different way, not overreaching, uh, investing in some different positions. I think that that makes a lot of sense for the way that that they're having success. But yeah, when I look at at Winnipeg, BC, I think the thing that has me most excited is that I talked about Nathan Rourke and his journey from, you know, being down in Alabama and prep high school, doesn't get offered any division one scholarships, goes to junior college in the Jayhawk conference in Kansas, only gets two scholarships offered. One was from Akron. One was from Ohio. He goes to Ohio, becomes an all-conference quarterback, gets drafted 15th overall, spends 2020 learning in the building, spends 2021 taking all the practice reps because Michael Riley's arm has fallen off. And then here we are in 2022. Okay, it's for real. The lights are on. Week one, blowout Edmonton. We've learned that's not that all impressive. Week two, bye week. Oh, okay. So we don't get to continue the momentum. Week three, okay, you've had a week off. Now you have to answer the bell. Oh, you actually did better than week one? Okay. It's like a video game, right? It's like level one, clear. Level two, bye week, clear. Level three, Toronto, clear. Level four, Ottawa on the road. Ooh, adversity. Throw a couple of interceptions. Kind of bad. Left the ball inside. Money Hunter picks you off on the other one. Trying to do too much on a play. Middle of the field. Miscommunication with a receiver. Some new bodies in there because Brian Burnham's down on the sixth game. And it's like, okay, now you got to answer the bell again inside this game. Goes 10 of 11, 208 yards, touchdown, leads them back, wins 34-31 on the road. Now, <laughs> woo, Winnipeg's defense is a whole other beast, man. And it's a good thing he's got him at home. But it's like, it, I love that the schedule has naturally created this stair step for him where it's a great, true test at home. And, and I, I was talking with Derek Taylor about this earlier today where I said, it's not even the interceptions, the turnovers, the fumble like he had late against Ottawa. I want to see what Nathan Burke looks like when he's two of eight in the first quarter and Willie Jefferson's got two knockdowns and a sack. I want to see what Nathan Burke looks like when 
he gets banged up on a on a running play and his left elbow doesn't really feel right but he's got to just like wrap a bandage around it and go back into the huddle like there's so many little things that we haven't seen him take on yet that i think are going to be really intriguing as this journey continues and my hope is that we don't end up getting a situation because it it feels like it rips the experience away from us when trey ford plays six snaps and then gets his right shoulder popped and he's out for the rest of the game if Rourke can stay in the game, he will allow himself to continue to learn because he'll gain these experiences. And I love watching him learn because I don't think anybody in the CFL right now is learning faster than Nathan Rourke. He sees something once, he either nails it or he doesn't. And if he doesn't, he figures it out better for the next time. That's his process. It's systematic. It's clinical. And it's been so, so good to watch. But Winnipeg and Richie Hall, they're not going to complicate things. They're not going to throw a whole bunch of weird looks. They're going to be like, we're rushing four. We're going to drop people into coverage. We're going to force you to make throws. And we're going to try and confuse you with some of the stuff on the back end. That's it. Can he answer that test against that pass rush will be the great test coming up on Saturday. I think one way or the other, we know that the bomber offense has got to get better. I mean, yes, they're four and oh, but they've really done it on the back of the stingy defense, um, opportunistic winning the turnover battle, which is the hallmark of great teams. Um, I couldn't help but watch that game on Monday night going, my God, the Bombers miss Andrew Harris. What do you think's missing from the Bomber O right now? Yeah, I think when teams start to really hone in on Greg Ellingson and realize how good he is with Kolaros, that's when you're starting to see a little bit of adversity. Uh, you know, they'll roll coverage towards Ellingson, I think, as the season goes on, because you've come to realize pretty quickly here through the first three games, if you don't, it's not going to be good for your team because Ellingson and Kolaros are just exceptional. Dalton's shown... I think he's still kind of working into what his role will become in the big picture. But man, in spurts, he looks pretty special. Rashid Bailey, I think, could step up and play a bigger, more important role in this offense. Uh, I definitely think they miss Andrew Harris in certain moments. But for me, it's really the Dembski factor. Like he's kind of the key that unlocks so much of this because if you don't have Andrew Harris, and we tried to make this point in week two when I called the Bombers game in Ottawa, uh, which, by the way, all I have is games in Ottawa, apparently. That's uh, that's my thing this year, which I'm very excited about. But it's I had people tweeting me after I did two back-to-back Ottawa games. They're like, do you live in Ottawa? I'm like, no, I drive to Ottawa from Hamilton when I call games. So, like, why are you doing only Ottawa games? I don't know. It's just my thing now, I guess. But, uh, but I, I will say that, like, I look at that backfield. It's like, if you don't have Andrew Harris, who could really do it all pass protection catching the ball to the backfield running between the tackles turning his legs when you needed yardage on second medium you basically have to find that piece together by a bunch of people on your roster and so it's like okay what can we do with johnny augustine how can we maximize his skill set to give us the best version of him what can we do with brady Oliveira to give us the best of him greg McRae? what can we do to get the best of him how can we maximize how can we put him in the best situation and then Nick Dembski is the one that's always been just the, the creative playbook opener, I think, for Winnipeg in that offense, because you can put other people in that position, but it doesn't feel quite the same because he's got such a unique quickness to him and a suddenness in his route running. But he can, you know, he can waggle towards the line of scrimmage from the number three slot receiver to the field. Snap comes up and he turns and runs behind the line of scrimmage as fast as he possibly can, gets a little jet sweep and he's off on the edge and he dives behind offensive linemen, moving people. And it's just, he gives them kind of that key that unlocks, I think, a lot of the creativity and imagination. Otherwise, it feels a little vanilla. But I will say this. While they're trying to figure out how to use all this personnel and put it together, Ho-Hum, Zach Kolaros goes 80% completion rate again on the road this week and gets a win. And his creativity and imagination, even without Dembski in, even with what feels like a pretty base vanilla playbook, it's been really special. Like, his 
there's a play where he threw a touchdown to Dalton Schoen in Toronto this past Monday where lesser quarterbacks would have ran out of the pocket. It was actually as the pocket was collapsing, I pressed pause and I went, okay, what would Dane Evans, what would Vernon Adams Jr., Cody Fajardo, uh, even Nathan Rourke, basically anybody but Bo Levi Mitchell, what would they have done on this play? I thought, well, I, I see an exit. Like, between the guard and the tackle, there's a little running room out there as the pocket's collapsing. Instead of looking to get out and being nervous and, and lacking confidence in their ability to stand in the pocket, stand tall, and make throws, Zach, really subtle thing that I love about his game, he gains an extra yard of depth at his drop. He's already hit his back foot. He's like, catch the snap, one, two, three, and he's standing there ready to throw. And he gains an extra yard of depth back away from where the pressure's coming, widens his base, and then starts patting the ball and firing his feet so that he's always ready to get rid of it. And he's just like, I got it, I got it, I got it. And then the clock is running out and he knows and he rips it and it's a flat-footed strike sidearm to Dalton Schoen who catches it, knifes, touchdown bombers. And it's like, that's a really small thing. You got to realize like of the other 10 or 11 relevant quarterbacks in the CFL, about nine of them would have just looked for an escape route. He's like, no, I'll just stand in here, widen my base in case I get hit, rip it use my arm strength and score touchdowns. So they feel like they're not the same team is kind of the narrative that's going around. But Zach is still creating that trademark Kolaros magic. Willie's still making life difficult. Jackson Jeffcoat's still making offensive tackles miserable by the end of games. Adam Big Hill is still <laughs> as impossible a guy to stop in between the hashes as there is in the CFL in the run game. So they're doing a lot of things right. But like we say, BC is, they've got some real energy on their side as well right now. Marsh, this has been uh, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for doing this. Very quickly on the way out, does BC pass the test on Saturday night, or will we be talking about another matchup of unbeaten's next Friday here in Winnipeg? I think Winnipeg wins. I do. I think uh, Kolaros goes in there. This it, very reminiscent to me of seeing Winnipeg go into BC last year when Michael Riley had a little bit of motivation and energy behind him and there was excitement. And then Winnipeg went in and said, no, this is what championship football looks like. Winnipeg still has a lot of players from those teams, as you know. And I think they're still going to have the opportunity to go to BC and show, yeah, Nathan Rourke, you're fun. You're rising through this league. Kolaros is already here. He's at the top of his game. And I think he'll prove that coming up. Marsh, you're the best. Thanks so much for doing this. Keep up the great work on TSN. Really enjoying the calls. And uh, let's do this again soon. Thanks, Hassler. Talk to you soon. All right. Great stuff with Marsh. Tomorrow, 6 p.m. Bombers and Lions. And make sure at some point, whether it's right after our show or before the game, make sure to check out DB and Chris Walby over at the Bonfire Sports Channel with their preview of tomorrow's tilt between the two undefeated teams. Darren and Chris will uh, get going at 3 p.m. And then Kenny and Rennie as well at 3 p.m. So uh, whichever one you go to after the show, make sure you catch the other one. Got to support our boys in the digital space. Uh, All right, Marble's coming up. Pay attention to the chat for those of you that are with us on YouTube. Ramus is going to open it up right away and get things going. Uh, Okay, it is open. So exclamation mark marbles. If you're new and you haven't seen this before, this is the way we finish every week. Lots of fun. We've got a Winnipeg Sports Talk CC Canadian Club collab hoodie to give away. It is our version of the Masters Green Jacket. I know Tyler, who won last week's, popping by after the show to pick his up today. So make sure you are subscribed. Hit that red button. It's absolutely free. And make sure you hit that thumbs up button as well. Um, we'll get those in. Uh, just while we're letting you guys load that up, speaking of CC, 
The weekend is here. Great time to mix in one of the drinks of the summer, the Canadian Club and Ginger. Ready to drink in six packs available at your local beer store. Grab it at whatever vendor you're popping by or, of course, Manitoba Liquor Marts. And if you're at the Liquor Mart, you can also grab the Great Taste of Canadian Club. And all of it will be available a week from today when the Bombers take on the Calgary Stampeders at IG Field as Canadian Club is the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And hey, speaking of Bombers, don't forget next week, you're going to want to get there early, 5.30 p.m. The Princess Auto tailgate section opens. Cheap beers, hot dogs, pop, DJ finesse spinning, great entertainment and surprises as well from our friends at Princess Auto. So next Friday, you know where to be. Get there early, 5.30. The festivities get going before the 7 30 kickoff and hey tonight we've got a great cfl game and tomorrow as well tonight ottawa saskatchewan tomorrow winnipeg bc boston pete's always a great place to gather with the gang to watch the big game great new summer menu pizza flights are back carnitas pizza tacos and more and of course you can check out their game day deals and order online every day at bostonpizza.com uh, all right let's get remus back in here we've done our cool bet lines Bombers, three and a half point underdogs now. We thought it might get there. Well, we're finally here. And um, Remo, the marbles are open. And listen, while we uh, get let everybody open in the marbles, I I'm sure you have some drafts thoughts that you would uh, you'd like to get to on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, I got all my fire draft takes that I've been saving up. Uh, Gary Bettman, you know, we didn't see him at the Stanley Cup final making his return, getting booed, uh, taking it like a true... Uh, wrestling heel, so we'll give props to Gary Bettman for owning it, right? Bettman he's... was so good, I think he's getting a marble this week. Whoa, he was, whoa, 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 whoa. He, I, I, listen, I, I tweeted this out yesterday. Bettman absolutely cracks me up. He was so good yesterday. He was welcoming in the booze and saying it's great to it's great to have a sense of normalcy again. And then when they started booing again for some reason, he was talking about Montreal. He stopped and says, I don't know why you're booing your own city. And he yeah. shut him up very quickly. It was an absolute masterclass. I know a lot of people don't like Gary <laughs> Bettman. I have a soft spot for him because without him, there's no way the Winnipeg Jets are coming back to Winnipeg. Um, but he, uh, he, he was... That was a clinic yesterday by the commissioner of the uh, of the National Hockey League. We do need to give a shout out. If you listened to the show yesterday, Adam Kellerman, our guest from NHL.com, you asked him at the end of the conversation for a sleeper pick, and he mentioned Maverick Lamaru, the six foot seven defenseman who was kind of ranked like what was he ranked like thirty to fifty range by a lot of you know consensus rankings. Well, he went. Right before Brad Lambert at 30, he went the Arizona Coyotes trading up to get him at 29. We took the I, under. I said it on the show yesterday. Teams can't resist size, and we will see how this works out for them. But it felt like, felt very familiar. A team that already has a really high pick. They get their guy Cooley at three, willing to take a shot on a six foot seven defenseman later in the first round, trading up to get him. I feel like I've seen that movie before. We will see how the sequel plays out. But also, we have to mention his parents very happy caught uh, tongue-kissing oh. on camera. More than church tongue. It was more than church tongue. Everyone was fired up about that. And uh, the People's mm. Insider, I think it was Weeks, was on there as well. He uh, 
He's like, oh, uh, he did a tweet, French Open, and put a tennis ball up there. <laughs> Went on that. Um, hey, yeah. you know what? They kiss a little differently in Quebec. What can we say? That every couple should hope to have that sort of love in private, hey. in public. They just can't help themselves. That's if, that's what love's all about. If my son got drafted 29th overall to the ASU Coyotes, I would be smooching my wife very like, much like they were. So I can't really blame them. French style. That's Remus's game. All right, folks. Exclamation yeah. mark marbles. Last call. If you want yeah. to get in, just make sure you're subscribed and uh, we'll uh, we'll get you in there now. Okay. So here, here's who we need. We need. And uh, by the way, who was it? Um, shout out to, I think it was Ben Lawrence. Ben, great support from Ben. Thousand percent. Batman deserves a marble. Has the spot on. He's the man. So Gary Batman will get one. Uh, we have to give one to Aaron Cockrell. He's on fire. He was okay. shot at 29 this morning. So Aaron Cockrell. And then I think it would only be proper if we welcome the Jets' two first-round picks. Rutger gets one. And uh, Mr. Finnish Canadian Brad Lambert. Yes. Anybody else that we should throw in? Uh, I think those make sense. If we want to give Scott Billick one, too, for hopping on today. Absolutely. Billick's in. Billick's got a marble. Like, um, and I guess we could give Ken and Marsh one. I mean, they were in on the show yeah. today. So uh, we sort of normally do that with our Friday guests. Yeah. Hey, people are saying to give um, Kahari Jones one. I don't know if he'll get one, but I was saddened to see he got fired. I did not think it was deserved. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with the quarterback situation there, but I'm hoping they can find a way to get Vernon Adams to Edmonton. Um, oh, and we, Dunk and we also, Dynasty. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Dunk Dynasty. Oh, bonus. Yeah, yeah. Rick Bonus. Okay. How could we not have bonus? Have a big smiling Rick get a that marble was, in his first week. Like that seems week. so long. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like I'm on the a draft. Month ago. That seems like a long time ago. Um, <laughs> we do need to give a show. We didn't, I don't know if we'll get a marble, but shout out to Fred Reed, who was named to the Bombers Hall of Fame and Gavin Walls. Absolutely. Um, shout out to them. And here are a couple other, as I get this ready, are we, are we closing the marble entries? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Everyone's had their opportunity. Exclamation mark marbles. You're all in. Let's load them up and uh, get ready for a draft extravaganza before uh, oh. everyone goes and watches Bonfire or KNR. Okay. The other K okay, hot take. So I'm watching the draft in Arizona. They're making a lot of picks. So they come up. I'm like, are all these guys wearing the same suit? What's going on here? Um, they're not. They look like a bunch of groomsmen. Not a wedding. I know. I guess it's kind of like the draft. I they, support this. I no. like this. I like uniforms. Um, no. Because honestly, it takes away the need. Like, I guess if you're a big fashion plate and you want to outdo everybody fashion-wise, yeah. if you want to stand out, that's your thing. But this is a team. They're part of a team. So, you know what? Look like a team. And that's one of the things that the Coyotes actually did quite well. A great analogy, though, look like groomsmen. That, that is exactly what they look like. And by the way, 90% of the suits were royal blue yesterday. Is that, is that the, the look of the summer, the, uh, the summer color that everybody wants? I got, I got a new suit from F, and one of mine was a blue, actually. <laughs> oh, I think that is, might be the in color. They did have the Coyotes Kachina head logo on the inside of the jacket as well. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I wasn't crazy about it. I like to be an individual, individual person us when it comes to dressing, but if the Coyotes wanted to buy me that suit and I worked for them, then yeah, I would obviously wear it. But I thought it was, 
I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure about it. I wasn't sure. It was interesting. I mean, my other fashion takes, I would feel a lot better and I would have a lot more time for the live tour if they let the players wear shorts. That's one thing. And um, I think the best thing about the bubble was that coaches weren't wearing suits and sometimes they were wearing dressing down and having more team type logos. Like I don't need them dressing up in the exact same equipment and uniform like the players, like baseball managers do. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know. I, I, for someone that obviously knows that there's a time and a place for suits and I am going to F and getting suited up and uh, fitted on Tuesday. Um, I like them more for special occasions, not each and every time you have to wear them. It gets a little bit more monotonous. Makes more special when you're doing it out of choice as opposed to that you have to do it. Yeah, there was um okay, so the player that the that Tampa drafted in the first round. Oh, oh my god, Isaac uh I was it Isaac Parker? I'm I trying to bring up out. bring up the picture. Isaac Howard, okay? Isaac. <laughs> okay, so he said I think I'm the best looking guy here, so I decided to be the best dressed too, okay? This is the Instagram post from NHL. I don't know if you saw this. Okay, here it is. Uh, okay, this is the picture. He's looking pretty sharp. He's wearing the white suit. He's got the USA belt buckle. It's a bit, a bit tacky for me, but fine. We're gonna, if you want to rock that on the 4th of July week, I can respect it. Anyways, so Yarmer Yager. The legend comments on the Instagram post. Hockey has changed. This kid is lucky it's not 1990. Big guys would change his face. Yager. <laughs> Yager getting in on it. Yeah, I love when guys chirp each other on Instagram. So Yager's a great follow. Uh, so Did Isaac Yager Howard. just drop a, if this was in my day? Blast on uh, on a on a young man on his draft night. I think so. I think to be honest, I think I took a better picture than they put up on uh, on NHL.com. The picture I tweeted yesterday, a much better look at the belt buckle, the uh, the chain, of course, on the turtleneck. Uh, I was absolutely in awe, and then the interview delivered as well. Um, and who knows whether he'll be a great player for the Tampa Bay Lightning, but he certainly had a great draft moment yesterday, Isaac Howard. And listen, while Remus gets the marbles ready. By far, the highlight of the entire draft weekend, ladies and gents, was during the fifth or sixth round. And I have no idea who was being picked because it was completely secondary to Vancouver Canucks head coach and WWE superfan Bruce Boudreaux being surprised live on NHL Network with EJ Raddick and Jackie Redmond by his favorite wrestler, Montreal's own, Kevin Owens and the KO show came out. It was a fun little five minutes of them talking. And then Boudreaux was so geek that he had an audience with KO. They then moved off of the set and people were tweeting out the two of them talking for well over half an hour from what I understand. So uh, Boudreaux, the most likable guy, maybe in hockey. Um, I know the Vancouver Canuck fans love him. And I mean, if you don't like Bruce Boudreaux, you're, it's pro it's a you problem put it put it that way um he is uh he's a special dude and again huge fan of the ko show as well pretty cool to see kevin owens there all we needed was sammy Zayn as well and they could have uh really had some fun there in montreal at the nhl draft all right great stuff by the way i want to give a shout out to marat mike ken and scott although we 
obviously, as we talked about, wasn't able to get to Montreal due to the ridiculous flying situation in our country right now. Uh, all, all the guys with boots on the ground did just a phenomenal job uh, of covering every angle of the Winnipeg Jets. Make sure to check out all of their work, whether it is in The Athletic or Sportsnet or the Winnipeg Free Press or The Sun, and support the guys. And we'll look forward to having all of them on at some point next week. Of course, next week, free agency gets going on Wednesday. Going to be a huge day on the program, and I'm still waiting to hear what happens with some player moves from the current roster from the Winnipeg Jets. That's obviously next on the to-do list now that the picks have all been made. All right, Remo, are we ready to do this? We'll have to hit the music, I just remembered. One thing, though, Murad seems very steadfast that Blake Wheeler is going to be moved. Well, that, I will be on Wheeler and veteran defenseman watch next week and recapping all the picks. No doubt about it. All right, folks, uh, to everyone new that's joined the uh, crew this week, welcome. This is the highlight of it all. I know we have a lot of fun talking sports, but nothing's more fun than dropping the marbles on Friday afternoon. Before we do that, though, Tristan Rivers music. Hit the music. The incomparable Tristan Rivers music, a former champion here, a uh, a owner of a master's jacket, if you will, the uh, blue Winnipeg Sports Talk Canadian Club hoodie. And again, a huge thanks to our friends at Canadian Club for their support of the show and uh, helping us with the great prizes we've had over the course of the last year. Um, this is going to be it. Wow. Well, we're in space today, Reem. What, uh, what course is this? Castle Siege. Castle Siege, great. And did you get the uh, Rutger and Lambert, Bettman and Co- uh, Cockrell are all yeah, in? Yeah, so we got 160 total. Uh, I think there were like 151 entries, and we you know, put our own guys in. So they're Beautiful. all in there. Beautiful. All right, everybody, good luck. First place, we've got the hoodie for you. Presumably, we're getting down on a couple sizes, but I think we should be good. And the last marble across the finish line successfully not being thrown over the top rope and not finishing. Uh, we'll hook you up with an ice cream cake from our friends at the Nick and Nikki DQ group. All right. Been a great week. Thanks to everyone that's been by. We are smashing records almost on a daily basis right now. We really appreciate the support. Tell a friend about Winnipeg sports talk, let them know where they can check out the program. And without further ado, it's Friday afternoon and it's marbles time on WST. Let's go Remo. All right. They're off. It's a bit of a dark one. It's nighttime at the Castle Siege. That was nice. I saw Rewiki had a nice little start there. Oh, Ross Ransby's up in the up early on. Ross is uh, one of my friends that have head-to-head bets with uh, with Shorn each and every week. It's not what the Bozeman wants to see right at the gate with Roscoe uh, right near the top of the uh, of the list. We've got some fireballs being on. What what course is this again? Castle Siege. And last week we had the big teleport finish. I don't know if we're gonna have that, but. There's a lot of marbles in there. I saw Ken Weeb is in their fourth, fifth. We'll have to wait and see. Oh what yeah, happens Weber right in the mix right now. That there, we've never had a marble that we've put in, like added in, actually win. 
I don't think uh, so. That would be incredible if that did happen. Uh, but right now, Chris Fadoon and K9 and Clouds on the Horizon, all right there. Ken Weave as well. Phyllis and Cynthia Betancourt, a couple of the queens of the WST chat, looking pretty darn good right now. And uh, the Castle Siege, this is a brand new one that we have not seen before. We see some fireballs that are coming in, although I don't think they actually blow people up. I've not seen that yet uh, in that. Yet. I wouldn't um, want to get hit by those. They might slow you down. I think so too, but I don't know. They've been right all over K each and every time. And he hasn't seemed to, uh, haven't seemed to lose. Clouds on the horizon is in first place right now. K9 and Phyllis, Ross Ransby, Rennie Dandino, uh, Eric Shorlifson's uh, there in the top 10, Bartholomew. Oh, and BA splits in the top 10 as well. Um, this seems like this has been like the longest straightaway yeah, this in the is... history of the thing. Is this it? That's it. What what a wacky course. It was just a straightaway. Yeah, no doubt. Clouds on the horizon. Well what? done. Let's see what happens here. This was the, uh, so K9 Bartholomew, Josh Conway in the mix, Eric, Chris Fadoon. I don't know what happened to Ross. T. Conapoli's in. Some people Don't are saying see. worst map. Some people are saying best. I mean, it was it was weird. I I'm I'm more on the worst. It like was I, pretty... I, I mean, there wasn't a lot of uh, drama. I mean, we got out of the first thing, and it was like this straightaway for like two miles. But that's part of the marble race. Sometimes when we do new courses, you don't know what we're gonna get. Last week we had Tyler Fabry coming out of nowhere to uh, to get the W, <laughs> and today clouds on the horizon basically had to hold off uh, a number of people now. We'll see how many get through and actually get into the uh, into the bin before they get burnt up. Usually there'll be fire coming off the other side. People are asking for a redo. Do we have any of those t-shirts left or no? Um, Should we just, we'll just have to wait till next week. Oh, well. Where's Clouds on the Horizon? I mean, we could do another one if we wanted to. This one, is, this one is banned though. Yeah, bad. This is definitely bad. It was terrible. Remo's Twitter. Well, Akash Bally. Is he going to make it? General Tom? Oh, no, no. Akash and Akash and General Tom both got uh, both got done. You know what? It was so quick. I would be in for another one, to be honest with you. Okay. Same names? Copy. Yeah, same names. Complete okay. redo. Clouds on the horizon. You uh, send us an email or uh, an email. Talk at gmail.com. And uh, we'll uh, try and make it work out. And uh, I should, like, we'll see. I think we, we just basically, we owe it to the people to do another one. Hey, it's been such a great week. Uh, we can't end it on the most controversial and anticlimactic marble race in Winnipeg Sports Talk history. Um, all right, so let's get to it. Uh, who is, oh, Remo, you're, uh, you finished the- uh, My finished Twitter, last. my Twitter. So I'll just take the cake. It's fine. Nicely, nicely it's my, done. It's my cake. Nicely done. Uh, exactly, Kabilis. Two marble races. Wowzer. This is historic. I can't believe it. We're we're making history right now. Because as yeah. I said, that one wasn't very good. I think we may have to go back to... We I guess pick. we could do random track. Or, or maybe no. because that one sucked, we should pick one that we actually know. I we, do like normally doing new ones that we haven't seen before. We got to pick one we know. Like the dojo is good. The dojo? Sure, the dojo. Yeah, okay. Let's do the dojo. This is the first time we've ever done... No one needs to re-enter. I have all the, it's if you were yeah. in the first one. Yeah, it's it's we're basically putting everyone back in for another round. 
here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. A historic day, a historic week. Spent a lot of records. We've had great turnouts every day in the program. Mm -hmm. Thanks to all of you for uh, for joining us every day. Next week, I think, will be no different with free agency coming up. And Monday's show will be great. I cannot wait to have Shane Malloy on. Um, he'll break down all the Jets selections in the draft and give us his thoughts on the draft overall. And then it's a countdown to Wednesday and free agency here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, everybody's back in. The race is back on. We are in the dojo. Congrat uh, good luck to everybody. Remus, without further ado, let's get going on a much better track that will enthrall our listeners and participants right now. Who do we got here? Rob Mahoney, Todd Fertani. What's up, Todd? Moose, Trevor Foss, Dallas Paul's in the mix right now. Anything could go. We're coming out of the dojo and pretty in Pionk. Pretty in Pionk is a former winner, I do believe. Nobby Cankles, Rob Mahoney, a number of our, our favorites. Oh, Todd Fertani's got a nice start. Todd's never, he's been in the mix a few times. He's never finished in the uh, in the winner's circle yet. Getting a few jumping ahead. Chris Fadoon looking quite good. Al Broderick, oh. okay, now we're starting to get some. Oh, Brent Fitz got KO'd. Oh, wait, did I pick the wrong one? Oh, shit, I don't remember Brent Fitz being in there. Maybe he's with us. He's I think I watching. picked it. No, is Brent Fitz in here? Yeah, you just got knocked out. It's possible that I that I didn't load the appropriate list. Well, we'll I might see have what screwed this now. up really bad. It, 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 who's just getting popped out? Uh, no. Is Brent Fitz in here? Well, not anymore. Yeah, he got bombed. Well, listen, everyone's getting bounced out of the dojo, anyways. Right now, you'll see. Can the comment? Nope. So we've got uh, we've got a lot of mix. James Robinson, no, ejected. Yeah, the dojo has plenty of casualties. Uh, Ty Rubin right now. Who are the people that are actually in? Like Dallas Pauls, looking like he's good. Tracy O. Tracy was mad at us for making fun of Blake, not calling Rick Bonus back, but Tracy could have the last laugh in the dojo right now because Tracy's in first place. I don't think there's anything that could prevent Tracy from winning her first <laughs> marble race, and she does it. Tracy, congratulations. Congratulations. What a uh, what a great story. Tracy, one of our most loyal WST viewers in here all the time, finally gets in and gets the W. So there's our makeup race. Tracy, hit me up as well. Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com. Get you set up with one of the hoodies or something else that works for you. And um, and everyone, congratulations on uh, such a uh, okay. such a great week for us. I I messed up. I think I picked the wrong the wrong race. Uh, the wrong the wrong thing. What what do you mean the wrong race? I picked the wrong list. This this is the first time I've ever done it. <laughs> So the people who are in this list is from a different show. I messed up. Wow. Is Tracy here? I don't even know if Tracy's here. This is the way we'll know. Tracy, are you doing a touchdown I don't think dance? She's, I don't think she's here. This is, I messed up really bad. Are we going to have to do a third marble I, race? I think we might have to. I think we might have to. <laughs> hey, I'm here for it. It's the weekend. I'm happy to donate. I'll, I'll, I'll pay the tab for this one. This is... I messed up. Okay, I, okay. I messed up. Okay, Remo, you get the right list, 
and and maybe we do something other than the dojo then why don't we do uh the factory sure i can do the factory too sure i'll do the factory okay this, you this do that a, hold on one sec this is a big screw job i'm really sorry i don't know i don't know what else to say like we got a lot going on it's been crazy i got a fake case of the fridays but yeah i hope everyone's uh having a good time out there it's been what a week for the draft uh free agencies coming up the bomber game i'm super pumped i don't know if anyone out there is going to uh folk fest or, or what i was going to but it's just not going to work out for us so i'm gonna miss out on that folk fest lager i did see some exciting winnipeg concert news today uh the eagles are coming here or sorry just it's actually just eagles coming here in september i've never seen them live i really uh, i really i'm gonna want to go although i'm nervous tickets are gonna be something really stupid no i didn't go for a squirt for people ordering i didn't i just figured we're now in the third marble race. We're well past three o'clock, which means it's well past three o'clock, and I'm cracking a beer and getting <laughs> on to the on to the weekend right now. So, here's a nineteen nineteen for everyone. I hope you have a great weekend. We're now officially in. I don't mind hanging out. I could do this all day, but I was thirsty. I've been dying for this one throughout the entire entire afternoon. I always. I yeah, I always wanted to just like do a show and then stop it and just like hang out and talk to Chef for a while. I mean, we could fire up some video games or, or something. I don't know, but we do have the marbles. Okay, this is the last one. All right, this is the okay. last one is this. This is the uh, marble fabrication or the factory. Yeah, this is the factory. Oh, Luke Lahai, shout out to Luke. Thank you for being the a supporter. By the way, I'll just mention if you are wondering. How the the people that are green that have the microphones that have the access to the other uh, emotes, they're supporters of the channel. Um, it's two bucks a month, helps us do a bunch of things of equipment and whatnot. So we really appreciate everyone's support. If you were wondering why some people have those and some don't, if you can, very simple to it to sign up and do that. Um, just a nice little uh, gift for the fellas yeah. at two bucks a month. I know we've had some great super chats. You can always do that, but it's a fun way, little something back for you, especially those that hang out with us on youtube all right the weekend is here we've got a 1919 <laughs> yeah, this is the real one <laughs> this is it we've got the right names in it's been a lot of hijinks so far but uh here we go one more time on a huge week of us atomic kong jet oil tom thanks a lot for the uh <laughs> thanks a lot for the uh, thing you want me to stone cold that beer well i don't want to get it all over the computer all right we're off here we are into the factory. This is a great one. This is a great one. We've got all sorts of names in. We're seeing uh, Tracy's in. iHeart Gaming is the first one out of the factory. And a nice little lead for iHeart Gaming, actually. Anyone going to uh, sort of a one-man show right now? Now everyone else is uh, chasing up. But this is a much longer and better course. So we're going to maybe need to do a little digging. Is there a program? Can we buy new courses, Reem? I'm not sure. I need to get like a ranking of the best ones. We don't have any of those mishaps. Yeah, we're going to need to do. We'll do some uh, some some separate marble racing on stream sometime. We'll invite some people in. Oh, tacos or sandwiches over the top rope. Trevor yeah. Red Ranger. Uh, but thank Pretty you, good. Derek, with the super chat. I don't need a, a 19. I'm good. Derek. I'm good. <laughs> I'm in a great. As much as I hated screwing those up, uh, I mean, I'm in a, still in a good mood. So we're just having fun here. 
no doubt no doubt this is great oh wow this is what everyone's getting shot around i don't know what this thing is okay so al broderick and ken um danny boy oh marshall ferguson marsh wouldn't this be something we've never had a guest win the marble race could marshall ferguson be the first um al broderick's in first ken danny boy marsh bob mccullough there's a lot going on. Oh, we're going into the super heating part of the factory. Two-man show. Ken 007 and Al Broderick with the lead. But at this point, uh, we are coming quite close. There still is more in the factory. Uh, Bob McCullough's in the mix. Danny Boy. Danny Boy's getting a little bit of a head. And Marsh. Marsh is going forward. Wouldn't this be something if Marshall Ferguson could get it done? Danny C over the top rope. Eugene C over the top rope and Marshall Ferguson right now, Danny boy and iHeart gaming are all in the mix. This uh, is going to come right down to it. Who got it? Donnie boy. Donnie boy. Nice work. That's one of the closest races we've ever had. iHeart gaming and whose line in second place and Marshall Ferguson still to this point, third place, the best finish ever for a guest um so we've got some hoodies to give away i guess folks great stuff today we'll see what happens at the end who else comes through t will to help replenish the wst hoodie budget <laughs> thanks so much and again uh great stuff we appreciate the the hoodie the uh the support and of course to luke lahal uh luke welcome to the welcome to the crew thanks very much for being a wst member um, as we get these final few marbles in, um, don't forget everybody. We'll be back on Monday at one o'clock full recap of draft weekend and everything that happened in the NHL. Shane Malloy is going to join us. We'll also be breaking down tomorrow's bomber game. Um, but in the meantime, right now, if you want to talk bombers, lions, head on over to the bonfire channel with bombing and Walby. And uh, if you want more from Montreal and the NHL draft, head on over to the K&R channel for, uh, oh, Ross Ransby over the top rope. Booze will be a uh, like that um, for a little bit more hockey talk uh, for the guys out in Montreal. Uh, but Donnie boy, congratulations. Hit me up, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. We'll uh, get you set up. And uh, otherwise, folks, went a little long today, but it was a heck of a lot of fun. Have yourself a great weekend. Now that I got this 1919 open, I think it might be beer bat time at the Gold Eyes game tonight. I have a feeling that might be where I end up. Regardless, you have yourself a wonderful and safe weekend. Thanks so much for the support this week, and make sure you're back with us 1 p.m. Central Monday for a full NHL draft recap and a look ahead to free agency, Bombers-Lions recap as well, and everything else going on in the CFL here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Have a great weekend. We'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy Bonfire and KNR. Oh my god! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.